Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we are back with season three, part five of Twin Peaks. Yes. Um, any overall thoughts on this episode? I felt like it went by really quickly for me, I think. I think that's because they have the roadhouse sequence in the buried in the middle. Yeah. Um, I mean, or three quarters of the way through it or whatever, but we again are continuing to meet new characters yeah. we're five hours in and we're still getting new characters like mm-hmm. brand new characters not like not just Old like oh characters. like we are getting that too like oh we get norma for the mm-hmm. first time like but we're actually getting like we got becky and we got yeah you know yeah uh so yeah we're still yeah i guess i thought last time we had kind of fleshed out all of our subplots but we're not really even close I mean, it seems like what what I really like about this season and the same there's always some and part of so I was thinking about that a little bit even in watching this is that not only do we expand the universe of Twin Peaks by going outside of Twin Peaks we you know we go to you know South Dakota we go to Vegas we go to New York we go all these places. Arlington. Yeah. So yeah, we're not only going physically and seeing things happening in other scenes. Every one of these locations, there's always something going on. And you get little snippets. Sometimes of things we'll never go back to. Mm-hmm. But other storylines of... Like, you know that thing you loved about watching Twin Peaks when it was on before? Oh, and this you see this like cool little town, but everything is confined in this town. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, these little snippets of that all over the world mm-hmm. are popping up. Right. And you're only getting teases of it. Like, it's it's almost like, you, you know, it's Lynch planting a seed that we could do a quote-unquote Twin Peaks show mm-hmm. at any city in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're getting teasers of it. And, it. and I even like... It's almost like he's like backdoor piloting through this whole season. Yeah, like 75 <laughs> other TV shows. Yeah. Um... And honestly, I'd watch most of them. And I like I think you even get a little bit of that just in the opening title sequence. Like the original title sequence, everything was looking on at Twin Peaks. You're outside, you're you're standing on that ledge, you're looking at the waterfall from a distance, and you're looking in on this town. Mm-hmm. And now the first thing you see is like coming from the waterfall and going out from it. Sure. So you're like you're ex- you're exploring outward from Twin Peaks now, and they kind of tease that even just in the title so sequence. So the waterfall is a metaphor. No, it's just a symbol for of Twin Peaks. Brain idea stories everywhere. Grocery, cutting that out. Um, do you want to jump into the episode? Uh, what else would we do? Well, no, I, just, <laughs> I just wanted to check in, make sure you didn't have any other thoughts after no. my cool waterfall joke. All right, so Gene and Jake. I'm not sure if we I knew their names, but these are our guys who have been chasing after Dougie Jones. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that they... I mean, they might say their names, yeah. but yeah. But again, like, these are characters who... There's an entire Dougie Jones storyline right. of this person who existed and why do these people want to kill him right. and who's hired and who to get him. And like... All of that stuff is an entirely mm-hmm. other show or movie or something and could be, but we don't get it. We don't see it. Right. We only see this part that overlaps with the story we're telling. Right, right. 
Um, so we have Gene and Jake. They're sitting in a car. Um, Gene is on the phone with Lorraine. Um, and they're reporting on the situation with Dougie Jones. Um, frustrated, she sends the message, just the numeral two, and her contact, Argent, which causes a device in Buenos Aires to ring and flash twice with its two red lights. It also notes here that it says leaving 159 characters to type. I'm not sure if that's important, but they did. Oh, yeah, here. yeah. Um, so this is, this is Tammy Baird, who's a professional stunt woman. Mm-hmm. And she, like, if this says frustrated, but it, to me, I get more of a fucking terrified yeah, vibe. Yeah, dread. This is, this is bad. Yeah, yeah. So there's, yeah, the number two, what that means, I don't know. And Argent, I, I always took that as a typo. But it goes to Buenos Aires, so it's Argentina. Oh, I guess that makes sense. I always thought it was supposed to be Eight. too urgent. Oh, I assumed it was supposed to be agent, if anything. But I guess Argentina makes sense because we don't know that at the at the time that it's Buenos Aires. Uh-huh. We find that out later when we see that same shot of the light bulb, sure. and that's labeled as Argentina. Uh-huh. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I never even connected that. That makes so much more sense. I'm but also, like, what does it fucking mean? Nothing. I'm trying to see if I can do an anagram anagram for it, but all I can get is greent. I don't think that's a word. Mm, that's deep. <laughs> what though. do you think "greent" means? But if you take or the 159 other characters tra- remaining, "trange." Mm, yeah. T. I'm not very good at those. Um, okay, so uh, we are back to South Dakota, right where Constance Talbot is. Yes. Okay. Um, with Detective Mackley and Detective Harrison, they are still observing the John Doe in the morgue. I like this little scene a whole lot. Is oh, this it's delightful. <laughs> she is wonderful. And so dry. And I genuinely can't. So she makes this joke about like, after all of my research, I've decided that the cause of death is his head is gone or something like that. Yeah. And, that and the, But then the joke was, she says that, oh, his determined cause of death was this man's head was removed. The headline is... That is the headline. <laughs> Cause of death. Took me a while, but I think someone cut this man's head off. Here's the headline. Actually, I just gave you the headline. Yeah, I'm still doing stand-up on the weekends. <laughs> and like, ah, uh, like a little bit, and they're just... Stone face, but also not like put out by it. Yeah, it's like, just like mm-hmm. I okay, that's fine. Like I, I enjoy that they're not like. Can you stop making jokes? This is serious. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, mm-hmm. I'll let you have your time. <laughs> I will quietly. And then we'll move on I with what we are here to actually do. It's really ninety percent of our relationship. It's mm-hmm. like you're just waiting for me to finish whatever dumb bit <laughs> I'm doing, and then you're like, so what do you want for dinner, Jessica? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I also, I genuinely couldn't get a read on this character of when she's like, so I'm still doing stand-up on weekends. I couldn't tell if, like, that was an extension of a bit or if or she's, she's genuinely, doing like... stand-up. Yeah, because that's yeah. a pretty funny joke. Like, it's like the, like, oh, I'm here all week bit, but you're yeah, like, yeah. you're not, you're, you're Jesus. not actually doing it. Yeah, yeah, like... Um, so they, uh... 
she also confirms <laughs> she confirms decapitation is the cause of the man's death and presents a ring found inside of the body. On it is an inscription that reads to Ducky with love, Janie E. <gasps> Connecting the world to right. Twin Peaks. That's exactly it. Um, Meanwhile, we still don't technically know who this body is. Yeah. Oh, we don't? No. Oh, I do, though. So. Ooh. <laughs> I've seen this twice, and I'm kind of figuring it out. Um, so, yeah, that leads us down another trail, um, and that's the end of that scene. Now we've got uh, Mr. C. This is Dark Cooper, Cooper's doppelganger. He sits in his jail cell. It, oh God, he's so creepy. It's such a creepy character. Yeah. Kyle McLaughlin does such a good job, very, especially very good. when you consider that he's the same person who's being Dougie, mm-hmm. and he still mm-hmm. can like pull this like utter dark and like the dark contacts help. I think. Um, but so he predicts his food is coming before it comes. Mm-hmm. So what is? He takes his food, goes to the mirror. And notes that Bob are, Bob is still with him. Okay, so let's kind of dive into what all this means. So we, I, I think that Bob stuff is pretty self-explanatory. What do you mean? That the Bob stuff. Oh, that he looks in the mirror and sees part part of Bob's yeah, face. Yeah, they, they make that. They give you the flashbacks yeah. of Bob being connected, and which also. Again, this is one of those scenarios where, like, we don't have Frank Silva to work with. Right. Yet Bob is an incredibly important character. Mm-hmm. How do we make this work? And the way they morphed his face into Frank Silva's a little bit, eerie. but not entirely. Incredible. It kind of it reminds me of very those, smart, very clever. Yeah. It reminds me of those deep fake videos that are yeah, going around. A bit. That like have you seen the ones that sure, are like sure, when sure. they're doing imitations and then they layer the person's yeah. face on top. Um, they did one with Bill Hader that freaked me the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but it's it's very well done, and it, and then deadpan drops the line of like you're still with me. That's good, mm-hmm. which I like that line. What what I find? You think it's deadpan? I thought it was very earnest. Of like, okay, I've still got. Bob well, with but it's me. not like like there, there's no sense of like genuine relief. Mm. There's no like excitement about it. He just kind of delivers. It's a little bit flat, but it in is a, flat. But I'll give you that. His whole character is kind of like that. Yeah. But what I like about it is the idea of you're still with me. Mm-hmm. That's good, which means like this gets back into Leland culpability territory. Mm-hmm. This is someone referencing Bob in the mirror saying, you're still with me, meaning he has the wherewithal to separate the entity. So he knows, like you mentioned with the Dexter comparison of a dark mm, passenger. Dark passenger, yeah. He knows Bob is there, but he also knows there's separation. Yeah. And I, I like he likes getting his power or, or whatever from this Bob entity, but I think there's an actual, like, he's not being possessed to the point of he doesn't know what he's doing. This isn't Bob. This is still Cooper acting with Bob in tandem with Bob. Yeah, that's fair. Or what we know is, or Doppel Cooper, or whatever Mm -hmm. we're calling. Like, this isn't necessarily the Cooper we saw in season one and two. Right. But this is a version or a portion of Cooper acting in tandem with Bob. What do you think it means that he predicts that his food is coming? What do you think it means? I genuinely have no oh, idea. I, <laughs> I really don't. I think it just means this is all part of his... Like, he is 
planning to have been in this prison. Okay. Like he has planned this out to the point where he knows his schedule. He knows food's coming. The same thing with the phone call later. Like this was all part of a plan to get to that phone to make this. Like he, this is all part of a, a, a large plan. Yes, and but I, I would say there is. The way he predicts it is not like, well, it's noon, food should be coming. It's literally like food is about to be. It doesn't feel like a thing that he's predicted off habit. It mm-hmm. feels like a thing that he knows because of otherworldly sure. forces and, that are telling him that. There's a a concept that runs throughout of these entities passing through electricity in a sense and from what we see later when he makes that phone call like mm-hmm. this entire like prison system is electric you know what I mean oh, the, yeah. you know electric gates probably everything's monitored there's cameras everywhere everything is connected through yeah. electricity so there might be some you know Bob is out there looking and he can see this stuff sure. and he's informing him or whatever things like that uh, okay, so <laughs> so then we cut to an office that we haven't, I don't think we've seen before, and Mike Nelson. Mike Nelson mm-hmm. is the uh, fine gentleman that I never seem to be <laughs> to remember. Um, and true to form, Mikey kept joking like, oh, it's a guy you don't remember. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah, it's Gary Hirschberger. Um, it's, and this is the only time we see him, but it was a nice little oh, is, like, oh, is this it? Yeah, he's not in it again. But it was a nice, like, I think it was just one of those that, like, people that he liked working with yeah. that were in the original series wanted to be a part of it again. What can you get me to do? And he's like, let's make him this guy's boss. Yeah. Or I'm just or, surprised. You know, like, let's give him something to do just to, like, put him on screen again. I guess I'm kind of surprised that because there is such a, and I don't know how much he's working, so obviously this could be more, you know, inside baseball than I could know of, but, like. He brought, David Lynch brought in two dozen new actors mm-hmm. to play semi-prominent roles throughout this this series or miniseries or whatever. Um, and it surprises me that he didn't just recast the character who plays Mike Nelson, forgot again, as like a different person instead of casting a brand new. Does that make sense? No, I have no idea what you just said. So David Lynch brought in a lot of new characters, yeah. both into Twin Peaks and like in the various other places. I'm surprised that he didn't just like take the Mike Nelson character and say, "Okay, now he works at this place now," and instead of bring, casting a new person as some random role, that just, is what he did. But one that's more prominent is what I mean, because you said he's oh. just in this one scene. Oh. Like I'm surprised he's bringing was, in new people instead I, of yeah. like. Let's find places for all of our old actors. I think it was just a, like a check-in with like, we saw Bob, uh, Bobby and he's doing better. He's, yeah. he's But Bobby is up. a character. But right. We're going to see Bobby And Mike, Mike also cleaned up. I think they're, they're just like giving you a like check-in with him. Like Mike cleaned up too. Hmm. He's successful. He's not, he didn't turn to crime. He yeah. turned out okay. Just, I, I just think it could have been interesting if now Mike owns the roadhouse and that's why uh, like it's a whole different jam like not even necessarily that but i'm just surprised yeah. that there that his character wasn't more fleshed out considering sure. we've introduced so many characters yeah i i kind of like though that like it's not about him anymore you know what i mean like hey let's check in he's he's doing all yeah, right i guess and then 
we that's all like it's not about him anyway we're not telling his story anymore yeah um so he summons in uh steven burnett who is oh i actually don't only don't know the actor's name i just know him from get out caleb landry jones boy he plays a scumbag well huh yeah yeah he's in a lot of stuff and he's, he's a scumbag in a, a lot, lot of, of them yeah, <laughs> and he's always just greasy and dirty oh. and a son of a bitch like yeah. um so he's applied for the job. This is a great scene, I think, especially when we connect it later mm. on. It's a fun standalone scene. And then when we see, like, oh, it actually wraps up into something else. It's not just mm-hmm. a funny scene. So um, Mike Nelson calls in Stephen, and who had ostensibly applied for a job with whatever. Do we know what company it is? It's no. just a company. No, yeah. Which honestly kind of feels... Generic business. It kind of feels very Lynchian to be like, well, I don't know, what is this guy? Is it real estate? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, with, with the effort... He's in an office. With the effort that Lynch puts into certain things, mm-hmm. like the viscosity of this liquid that yeah. is in, the, in a jar in the background of a scene. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, what's the business? Ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like... Like, I love the things he they chooses to They sell paper ca- clips. Yeah, the things he chooses to care about. Which would about. be extremely funny if it right. was, like, something extremely niche like right. that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this is the best paper clip company in the greater north <laughs> northwestern United States. Um, so, anyway, so Mike tells him that his resume... I love it. It's so mean. And I feel like anybody else, I would be rooting against the guy behind the desk. But in this situation, when he's like... I just need you to know that this was so bad. That's I I that's what I wonder is is cuz I didn't necessarily get verification that he's actually applying for a job there. Oh. I I I I kind of thought that this was they already know each other a little bit. And oh. he brought in his resume to a business person who's a friend of his mom's or something that kind of thing and said can you look at this for me and that's why he's so like what the f- if you were actually applying for this job oh i would this would be like no this is all i don't think he's i but it could be i disagree but, okay. but i see why i mean there's an, it doesn't sure. appear to it be it doesn't a- yeah either way doesn't matter right but um but in turn we do kind of connect that you know her we learn that later that he's with Becky mm-hmm. and Becky's mom is Shelly mm-hmm. it seems to be that if he's the same age as Becky which they appear to be his parents are somebody else who probably went to high school right. with Shelly and Bobby and whomever right. else so like his parents might know Mike so mm-hmm. there might be a connection there like they might know or it might be a combination of the two he knows Mike in advance mm-hmm. And he went to apply for a job at Mike's company. Yeah. You know, probably at his parents' request or sure. some shit. And that's why he's so... Or but, or just he's that bad that mm-hmm. I can't even, like, entertain the, oh, we're not looking right now. Or, and further, I cannot let this man go out into the world yeah. and try to apply for jobs with and this resume. And then even after he leaves, just, God, what an asshole. Mm-hmm. It's such a great cap on that yeah. scene. So, you wanted to see me? Yes, I wanted to see you. Sit down. Great. Yeah, well, not great. You think you're some sort of hotshot? Excuse me? 
This resume is one of the worst written I've ever seen. And you didn't even fill out this form properly. Not even close. It's incomplete. It's worse than sloppy. I wanted to see you to tell you that if you ever want to find work any place, then you better get your act together, do things properly, and start showing some respect for a possible future employer. Because based on this shit, you'd never get hired here. And I would never recommend you for any work, any place. Now you can get up and get your ass out of here. What an asshole. But I think we've already given that scene more thought than yeah. it needs. Um, oh, I don't like that. I'm sorry. I hate this scene. So Frank Truman is mm. in Hawk's office, I think we figure out. Um, and he's on the phone with Harry. And we get great Lucy voice work in this scene, though, too. <laughs> she is so frustrated by Frank's wife. Yes. And I love because Lucy doesn't get frustrated. <laughs> I was going to say, for Lucy to be frustrated. And I, it just shows you how crazy, it shows you two things how crazy this woman is, how difficult Frank's life is at home, mm-hmm. and how patient Frank is at dealing with all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a Truman family. Yeah. So Harry's on the phone. Lucy is telling him that his wife Doris is coming in. Doris kind of bursts in the office, questions why he's there instead of his own office, and then rattles off a list of grievances, some of which I'm going to argue were not unreasonable. (laughs) If you have Mm -hmm. a leaky pipe, you really want to get on that pretty quickly. Like, that's not. And it also depends how bad is it leaking and how, you know, all of it. But who knows? Um,. But can we talk about her performance and why it is big? Just a lot of hand. Like, it reminds me of, like, a junior high schooler playing Mm -hmm. an adult. Mm -hmm. And I I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I love it it because the way it's bouncing off of Truman, who's so subdued and... Like is taking the exact opposite approach to his acting in this scene. It is is so minimal, and she's yeah. so big, and that's just the. But I don't think absurdist. she's big in a way that works. She's big in a way that oh, I, to, I, I to quote Brian Williams for all the world, like somebody just installed her arms today. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just the way she like like it doesn't feel natural. She doesn't seem like her gestures don't seem it, to like match her. It feels like the, the scene of Ben Horn eating the sandwich when he's like, go bigger, go bigger, yeah. go bigger. And she took, instead of Ben and, and Richard Beamer rejecting him, like realizing later what he was going for and being like, oh, I could have gone bigger. Yeah. I think she got it and did it. And I think this is exactly what Lynch told her to do. Oh, I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I, no, I, yeah. And I, but it's, it's just absurd and it, and it, just enhances how great Frank is. And that's what I love yeah, about it. Yeah, I also, I might be not thrilled about, like, another, like, nagging wife at home. Like, that feels like a trope that we we kind of did but it, for it? the part, the greater part of the 20th century. It's like, every wife is a big nagging but pain I don't in the think, ass. I, see, I didn't Take get... Take my wife, please. I didn't, I didn't get any of that. I didn't find her nagging at all. I thought I thought she was mentally ill. Oh, I didn't get. I that think at all. I think this is this is a Big Ed Nadine situation, and the way Big Ed is endlessly oh. patient with Nadine, who's mentally ill, I think 
Frank is the same way with his wife who is 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 mentally ill and is always thinking of like conspiracy theories and I think I think that's where she's at. I didn't think it was nagging at all. Oh, then I read it completely differently. I just thought like to me it was a very like 1990s stand up like oh my wife is such mm-hmm. a bitch she wants me to spend time with her what an asshole you know that's a stand up and th- that's that's what yeah I, I, it was good it was very good thank you yeah you're still <laughs> doing stand up on weekends I I think like I think that's why he's so like like I, I got the impression that she elevates things like maybe an OCD type thing or some type of bipolar thing Mm -hmm. but like the way she gets hyper focused on a thing like I bet you there's a leak in the sink but it's barely leaking Mm. and it's not that big a deal same thing with like they talk about the car and the brakes or whatever it was that like and he says he checked it's fine it's fine okay and she just she gets like the way people are have a tendency to to believe in conspiracy theory and uh-huh. things like that. It's like you start fueling these mm-hmm. things and you start going off the rails and on it. You see it. patterns. Every yeah, day. and like I think that's oh, this sink is because we're gonna we're all gonna and then the black mold is gonna get uh-huh. like because she jumps right from a leaky sink to black fucking mold. The thing though is she said a leaky pipe. Whatever. And to sure. I mean, to me, that's a big difference between it, like if we had a leak in our sink, I'd be like, okay, whatever. But if if it, there's a pipe leaking in a our pipe house, is, but if there's a bucket, like he says, it's whatever the pipe is, it's exposed because you can get a bucket underneath. Yeah, it's not like leaking in the walls and filling up and whatever. I guess my like what I pictured was like a leaky ceiling, like a pipe is leaking from the yeah, ceiling, but and so, I think, which I would, if that was the sure. case in my house, I would be. I yeah, I just assumed it was the pipe under the sink. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's just an assumption or whatever. But I, hmm. I, I always took this as she's a troubled person. Okay. All right. I'll take that reading under consideration. <laughs> okay. We'll check back in next week and see how you feel about it. All right. Uh, so Janie E. Um, and Dougie and their son, Sonny Jim. And she ties his tie. Ties his tie for him. Which um, she so- explained in the last episode she does not know how to do. Yeah. And then when you see him later, it's very, very poorly tied. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I also like, I, I, when she said, I can't, I can never get your tie right, I always assumed it was like doing it on him. Like she can't do it back. Like I can tie a tie on myself, but I don't think I could tie it if you were mm-hmm. wearing it. So that's what I assumed, but also. But that's she, what she does. Does she tie it? In, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, do, do they show that? Oh, I thought yeah, yeah. he just Should came out show, and all of a sudden it was tied. No, they show her tying it. Oh, okay. I missed while that. While she's sorry. talking to him. Yeah. Um, so, the, also, I kind of want to talk a little bit about how these stories are sewn together, because it's it feels like it should be okay. This takes place on a Wednesday, and this is what happens in Arlington on Wednesday. Is what mm-hmm. happens in such, except for like this stuff with Frank Truman and all that, like it feels like it's in the afternoon, evening, and all of a sudden we're could back be. to where we started yesterday. They still haven't gotten out of the house. There's a, you could, you can dive d- yeah. down that theory or like there's a rabbit hole of those theories of trying to 
actually lay out all of season three in time. It's, I and don't it's know really if I hard do to do it. because a lot of it is, and and I think it's absolutely the case where we're seeing some things before other things. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what's happening in, you know, like what I think it's, is interesting is like all these, there's the New York storyline, there's South Dakota, Vegas, Twin Peaks, you know, Argentina, things yeah. like that or whatever. But, and then he, instead of, connecting them through time the way we would be used to Mm -hmm. he's connecting them through mood feeling emotion yeah so what's happening in vegas right now is getting this you know wandering feeling of you know goodness is happening but he's still trying to figure things out so like let's dump those at the beginning of the story because that makes sense Mm. to the story is of of you know i don't know just like i i think it's very much like I think each one of those locations has a storyline in time mm-hmm. and you could map them, but you have to pick up certain clues on things in order to map them. What you, you said a couple weeks ago that each um, each episode sort of has a an emotion behind it or a feel for it. What would you say this uh, this week's? Because I have a thought. I, I'd like to hear what you said. Um, need? Everybody. Okay. So we've got... You know, what's-his-face needs a job. The sure. daughter, Becky, needs money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The woman, the wife needs pipes fixed or whatever. It's people, Janie E. needs Dougie to get his yeah, ass yeah, out yeah, of her yeah. house. Yeah, that I think that's, thought. I think, I think that's a great take. I had more of a longing feel. I guess those are tied up pretty. Yeah, that's. They're parallel for sure. For but, sure. And, and even, and it can be both. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's. Or neither. The, those, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, But those are similar vibes. Mm-hmm. So like, like most of the Dougie Jones stuff I feel like is, is longing. Like, and, mm. and like he looks at Sonny Jim in the car and he's crying. And the very end when he's like touching that statue, like he's connecting to something. Sure. And he's, he's longing to find out what is going on what is this all about trying to put himself um in place somewhere in a in a you know i need to get home but sure. i don't know where home is i don't know what's going on mm-hmm. yeah but need is absolutely a, a through line theme in this episode i yeah um but while we're still on that scene some eagle eye people have pointed out i didn't notice it at least the first couple of times but in the shot of in one of the shots of Sonny Jim in the car, he blinks backwards. Sonny Jim, blinks Sonny backwards? Jim does, oh. which is interesting. Um, I did not know that. Like he does a. I they, that. they show him a few times, and it looks like honestly, I think it might even be the same shot two or three times of him sitting there, and he's eyes open the entire time. And I think on the last shot, he does a like a slow blink, and then it. Does like a weird. It looks like a weird doing a lot flutter. Of hand gestures for like yeah, but it it blink. It's what it kind of looks like when you're backwards. Okay, uh, but it looks like a backwards blink. Um. So Janie E tells Dougie that they'd won four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Um. He looks at Sunny Jim and begins to cry, and then Janie realizes that Dougie's car isn't there, so she begrudgingly takes um, Dougie to work. Um. So back where, you know, our, our Dougie story started in that subdivision in, you know, the Vegas Burbs. Rancho Rosa. Rancho Rosa. 
um, Jeannie and Jake, who have obviously been following Dougie around for some time, um, they check his car, still hasn't moved, um, and a group of delinquent youths also rent, drive by the car, so that's <laughs> neat. Just uh, crazy kids. <laughs> Janie E. Um, drops Dougie off, uh, who wanders kind of around the plaza where where ostensibly the office is but it's an yeah. office building he has no way to right which it's it's this is another like kind of charmed thing of like oh thank god his car wasn't there he probably a doesn't know how to drive b has no mm-hmm. idea where his place of work is so Janie right. gets him at least in the proximity and then liz lemon's agent comes in and <laughs> yeah. helps him this, into, this like, guy's great he's what a great uh, guy joshua Fathom, Fatum. I don't know how to say yeah, it. Yeah, I know him primarily from this. Yeah, and, he's in um, that. He's he's, he's a got a great semi-recurring character in Better Call Saul. Where, but he oh, plays just, this similar, like, just goofy kind of exasperated. Yeah, like in in Better Call Saul, he's like a young up-and-coming filmmaker, and he's like making commercials for for Saul Goodman. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, in, and the, in this, like, he's just so he's very earnest. He on it like. Really, he he reminds me a lot of our season one to Dale Cooper. Wait, what? Wait, what? He Wait. reminds me of our season one and two Dale Cooper. Like he's just so delighted by everything and just happy to be there. He's got that kind of nice, clean cut, wow. dark hair. Yeah. Like he just... Like I don't think he's supposed to be him or something no. like that, but I I get that. I he's filling in. A he's gap like a for, less suave and and, and <laughs> he's but he's leading around the actual Cooper. Mm-hmm. Like he's following this like memory of himself almost. Yeah. Uh, like oh. I, that seems familiar to me. your your energy and your vibrancy and you've got all the coffee, all yeah. that yeah. all that stuff reminds me of something subconscious back there which is the dale cooper that we know and love mm-hmm. and he's just kind of following around in that mm-hmm. i don't know this just makes me want to rewatch that 30 rock episode where he becomes <laughs> liz lemon's agent yeah because he's a primarily a dog agent right <laughs> um anyway so he runs so this is do 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 sorry i scrolled up too hard okay so his name is phil bisbee mm-hmm. what a great yeah, name great. phil bisbee i love that this was all sh- this is all actually shot in like pasadena oh to like this this outside because i my street? F- a friend of mine who semi friend of mine an old oh. co-worker who i've been at the, my company now for a little over six years he left maybe a year, year and a half into when I started. Oh, okay. So you overlapped. Um, so, uh, yeah, we overlapped. But he also, he worked in Pasadena. I worked in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, but he had, like, pictures of when, like, out, he was in one of those surrounding office buildings, like, oh, in a oh, window taking, taking a picture set. of them filming. Oh, dope. With that, like, big, weird, white, very David Lynch-looking structure with the red balloons on uh-huh. it. Um, like, all of that's in the thing. And he's like... Because I remember him posting a thing about it on like Facebook or whatever. Like, they're filming something out here, and it's I think it's Twin Peaks because I know that's going to be coming out. I don't know why there's a bright green jacket. <laughs> this is weird. I don't know what it is, but but that was yeah. all somewhere in like the Pasadena area of California. So, um, just always found that interesting. So Phil Bisbee is carrying a bunch of coffee on his way to a board meeting, which <laughs> I I 
got lost in thought. I don't think this is in my particular cards, but I can't imagine being the kind of person where like somebody just shows up at work in the morning with your coffee from like Starbucks, like not not well, like oh I'm stopping there on my way. He's he, just like well, and because he even says like oh Brad never drinks his, so take his. Like yeah, Frank. this Frank. This guy brings in eight coffees for all these people every yeah. day, and sometimes they drink them. Like, that's success, my friend. <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's very clearly, like, either an intern. Yeah, he's or, a gopher, yeah. Yeah, that's his job. And then we learn a little bit later in the series that this coffee shop is in the lobby mm-hmm. of that building. So it's not like he went somewhere, no, like, regard- picked it up on his way in or something. Regardless, it's just a thing that I've never experienced. Yeah. Of, like, we've got a meeting, I bring coffee like not just like a thing like a thing a box of Dunkin Donuts coffee yeah, yeah, but yeah. just like I know you like caramel macchiato so I mean mm-hmm. it's just a it's a very one like thing that I can't businessy business type right, thing that I cannot and then Lucky with. 7 Insurance is the most localized Vegas insurance company sure. name ever yeah. which is perfect and it's another fucking number because mm-hmm. we gotta have more numbers <laughs> Uh, so there, so he mentions that the board meeting, I don't remember him saying board meeting, but he's in the meeting, wait, it's going to start in a couple of minutes. So it looks like it's just before nine when he walks in. Um, so Dougie, not unlike his puppy self. Which also, I think he does say board meeting. Does he? I, that sounds familiar. By no means is this a board meeting. No, that's not what a board meeting is. Like, I honestly think that was scripted in such a way where, like, they they just that that's a business thing. People talk about board yeah, meetings, board meetings. All the, <laughs> but like they like like as though like they're not separating that a board meeting is a meeting with the members of the board. Yeah, not as opposed to let's just catch up on a what meeting. Weird. Yeah. Like like there's no reason this that the Tom Sizemore character I, I don't remember his name in this would be talking about like what has to pay out and what doesn't that that's not a fucking board meeting yeah they wouldn't be talking about that among the board yeah um so i genuinely i think it is just david lynch not knowing about business we don't know we don't know business yeah it's a board meeting that's fine what are those uh board meetings Mm -hmm. so cooper um, his little puppy self, or Dougie rather, takes one of the coffees and begins drinking the damn good Joe and then follows him into the <laughs> elevator. Um, and that whole scene, you liked that scene when they're in the elevator. I love it. And I love I love that there's another woman in there with them who's just like, keeps side-eyeing the situation. Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, who among us hasn't been her in an elevator yeah. before? Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. And she's like, none of this is anything where I'm going to feel like, Frightened or threatened, or threatened, or it's what underhanded. The fuck or... is? Can we? God, can we please just get to my floor? Yeah. And then like the elevator opens. There's a sense of relief. She's the first one out. Mm-hmm. She goes. Her friend is waiting for her in the lobby. And then Dougie Jones walks right over to her and is like staring at her. And she's just like, "What the fuck is happening?" That with woman this guy? thought she was about to be shanked. Again, can't be clear. But also, like, that woman. look at this guy. This guy doesn't have the fucking wherewithal to shank somebody. You do not know that. I don't know. But anybody, anyway. Michael, I cannot be clear enough about this. Anybody <laughs> could have a shank at any given time. That's true. That is true. Live your life like everyone <laughs> like you're has a be shanked. Sh- Got it. <laughs> but just like that's, I know that that's feeling. Our, that's our Cooper Duper T-shirt. Live your life <laughs> like you're gonna be shanked, Jess. But like I just, <laughs> I just know that feeling of being like in tight quarters with somebody that you're like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Small anecdote. I was on um, the Green Line in Chicago when I used to work in um, um, the West Loop. 
I was taking the green line east back to the loop. And there was a guy there, and he was wearing a Dirty Dancing on Broadway hat. Nice. And the, you know that, I don't know if you take the green line ever, but there's a part of the green line where it's like right over the Chicago River. It's a really beautiful sure, view. Sure, yeah, yeah. And we were stuck there, which huh. like shit happens when you're, yeah, yeah. when you're taking public transit anywhere. Um, <laughs> this guy was, he had a bike and he was holding on to one of the bars that was right in front of the door. Mm-hmm. And just standing there, and I think I was blocked in by him somehow. Like, I was in some way, like, physically unable to get out of where I was, I think, because of his bike. Mm-hmm. And he was just talking to himself, just like, oh, we've been sitting here for six minutes. I don't know what we're going to just, like, and everybody, like, you know how it is mm-hmm. on a train. Like, everybody's like, yeah, this is what happens. And there's always one person who's like... This is happening to me personally. <laughs> and I was definitely very nervous and trying to like scooch away in a way that doesn't draw attention. That's very important. If you try to get away from somebody, do not draw their attention that you're getting away because they will call you out on it and then you're double down for being worse off for wear. Yep. Um, and then at one point he's like, and we're running seven minutes behind schedule. I'm sorry, six minutes behind schedule. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. I swear right. to God, that's a hundred percent a true story. How have I never heard that? That's I'm a, sure it, I, it happened okay. eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> eight years right. ago, um, it was like I was scared for <laughs> sure. I was also confused and bemused. Yeah. It was just an odd moment. But anyway, the point is, I've been that woman when you're like trapped and you're like, okay, okay, I need to start thinking about what steps are if this shit like mm-hmm. gets turned up. Um. Anyway, so... Yeah, we, could, um, we could do a whole fucking episode on CTA stories. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and so Phil gives him Frank's coffee because he says Frank never drinks his anyway. And then Frank is like, oh, God. Like, he sees Dougie drinking the thing like, that says Frank in giant so, letters. Phil, like, like why did so you do this to me? Like, and, and the way Phil, like, the way Phil is like, he, not, he never drinks And this that. is a great character actor. I don't know his name. I don't... Like the act, I you see him pop up in like commercials and shit all the time. I like, would watch a movie about this character. Like, yeah, he just is like, like this. Just he's just got a very emotive face mm-hmm. and just looks like gen- generic suburbanite man. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but he's fantastic. He's your like, friend's dad. Why? Why? <laughs> I want, but I wanted. The, he's what? like, well, oh, sorry, sorry, buddy. I get Frank really or Dougie really wanted. And he's like, can I give you something? He's like. No. no, I wanted I wanted that. <laughs> like I don't understand. And then I've got, but the way he takes his first sip of the of the green tea latte or whatever, and goes on a journey, and like does this like <laughs> side eye, like drops his shoulders a little bit, and like looks around, like mm-hmm. oh my god, this is good, you guys. But like kind of embarrassed about it, yeah, because. And uh, I, know, wonder... I guess green tea latte is kind of foofy. Yeah, I wonder if it's supposed to be like, oh, I've never tried this. It's really good. Or this is a girl drink, but I really like it. I, I think the a way little any... bit of both. I think a little bit of both. I think I would I would assume two th- Like Frank drinks dark black coffee. Mm-hmm. That's why the C- Cooper, Cooper Dougie loves it so much. And so a green tea latte is very much the opposite uh-huh. of that. Um. It did really bother me that they left the tea bag and the green tea <laughs> yeah. latte. That's not how those work. But I do love a green tea latte. But his reaction to drinking it is it's just delightful. delightful. Yeah. Darren. Who's Darren? Is Darren Tom Sizemore? I don't know. 
It doesn't happen. Um, oh, Darren is Darren's the guy who hits on that woman, right? Okay, he's not in it again. Oh, okay. But in it, he like hits on. He's trying to. Did you get my message or whatever? And she yeah. says, "Why don't you talk to your wife?" Right. Um, Bonici is next to Frank. Is served the eighth cup by Phil. Who's yeah. Bonici? Doesn't matter. I okay. think it's just another person at that table okay. who got a character name that. Someone looked in the credits and found, but okay. I don't think it matters. So Anthony Sinclair tells Cooper... That's Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore. Okay, so Anthony Sinclair tells Dougie that he had covered for his absence during um, and during the meet... Anthony Sinclair tells Dougie that he had covered for his absence and during the meeting as Sinclair presents a report. I'm not sure what he 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 covered him. He covered for his absence. You've been gone for a few days, and also and in the meeting, there's supposed to be a comma there, and as well in the meeting, he delivers his report. Oh, gotcha. I think it's this was his entrance, and then what happens in the meeting? There should have been punctuation if there wasn't. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah. He so he's saying that there was no arson with Littlefield. And Cooper bur- bursts out, or Dougie bursts out, he's lying. Yeah, so there's a little green light, sort of, that pops up on Anthony Sinclair's face. Uh-huh. And Dougie blurts out, he's lying, like mm-hmm. almost guttural. Yeah, yes. And what I f- find most interesting about that is it's the first original thing we've heard this Doug- this version of mm-hmm. Dougie say. That's Everything else he's said has either been a direct parrot of somebody else, uh-huh. he repeats it immediately, or like when he sees Phil Bisbee with the co- coffee, mm-hmm. but he got coffee, coffee earlier, yeah. so he knows what it is. Like, everything he's said thus far has been a repeat of something else he's heard. Mm-hmm. This is the first thing that is entirely unique. Yeah. Which I find interesting. And seems to ha- uh, demonstrate a deeper understanding of conversation. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. But that's the thing. How much of this is this version of Dougie aware of? Does is is he even the one nothing? Exactly. Like does he know what lying is? Does he know what he's lying about? Or yeah. did something in him just force him to say he's lying and like, doesn't know what he that has fucking an instinct, means? Yeah. Um So Dougie says he's lying, but doesn't elaborate, um, causing the boss Bushnell Mullins, Bushnell Mullins to have quote Dougie. That's an interesting. He got. Uh, that's just a little tangential side note thing. Um, David Lynch's like secondary father figure mm-hmm. when he was growing up was a man named Bushnell. Oh, I forgot the guy's last name. Bushnell something. Um, but was like the the guy who pushed him in his art and he was like very much a mentor for david lynch growing up so uh-huh. i think this was like a nice sweet little like homage to Bushnell this killer yeah okay um it was very much a supportive force in david lynch's life and it was a nice way to like acknowledge him honor him yeah That's nice um so Bushel Mullins um, brings Dougie into his office after the meeting, um, questions Dougie about his accusation. 
And gives him case files that he needs assessed by the next day. And we see the giant poster behind him mm-hmm. of, of young yeah. young Bushnell Mullins battling Bud. Yeah. Which I think is great that, like, I love the, I, the, like, again, another one of those where we saw a glimpse of a guy who's got an incredible story. Mm-hmm. This guy was a former, like, heavyweight boxer, and now right. he's selling insurance. Right. Like, who is this guy? I want to know more about him. But, no, we're just going to see a glimpse. Like, everybody in this series feels like they have an entire story to tell they're fleshed out we just don't see any of it Mm -hmm. which is great Uh, okay so rodney and bradley meacham 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 rodney and blad (laughs) (laughs) rodney and bradley meacham uh come to the silver mustang casino in front of candy mandy and sandy And this is so. This is our Robert first... Nepper and Jim Belushi. Yes, who's Robert Nepper? I don't recognize. Robert him. Nepper is the bad guy in every TV show you've ever seen. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I've seen like, him then. Uh, like he's he's in a million things uh-huh. as the bad guy, mostly. Sure. Uh, the right now for whatever reason, and he's not the bad guy in. But we're, for some reason, the only thing I can think of right now is Gas Food Lodging, which is an excellent Allison Anders movie. But he's in. He had a big part in like Prison Break. Oh, Prison Break, I remember that. Um, which I never really watched, but I know he was in it. I, when I lived in Montana, there wasn't really internet yeah. anywhere, and somebody bought the first two or three seasons. However many were out in '09 or ish. And it was a thing that it was like a weird book club, but everybody <laughs> yeah. like on the ranch would just pass around the DVDs, and everyone would be like, "Okay, so I'm on season two, episode three. And they're like, "Oh, this is a good one." It was like a thing my entire like yeah. work coworker group was obsessed with in 2009. That's what you had. Yeah. It's literally yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's what we had. Um, God, it's so weird that there was no streaming then, and mm-hmm. I. I watched all of West Wing in one summer, and it, I did it disc by disc, mm-hmm. which was excruciating. That's, that's how I watched like half of like twenty four, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, those are the days. You were just talking about how you still have a Netflix disc somewhere. Oh yeah, I have. I <laughs> you stole Midnight. There's Cowboy. one of those. Yeah, I accidentally stole Midnight Cowboy from Netflix because um, I like I rented it or whatever from Netflix on a disc, and then lost it or thought I returned it or whatever, and. They were like, they are, Netflix was always really, really good about like, oh, you don't have it anymore? Okay, no problem. Well, I guess you have to burn in, like, put it oh, in. Oh, God, yeah. Especially, like, once they were kind of already established, mm-hmm. like, and they had money to do that. And just not just, like, people taking it, but you're mailing out discs. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I was like, oh, I mailed it back. I don't know why you didn't get it. And they just, okay. Yeah. Because and then, I, and then three I weeks you, later, I found it in a drawer somewhere yeah. or whatever. And I was I like, I bet oh. if you did it often enough, they started sure. being, but yeah. I just, it's such a specific moment in time, but, like, I feel like I'm always going to remember, like, original Netflix because we, in the apartment building we lived in before we moved out to the suburbs, there was a a little mail drop in the Mm -hmm. building, and whenever we would watch something on Netflix, we would put it back in the envelope Mm -hmm. and put it on the hook where our keys were. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's how we were, like, whoever went out first just brought it with them. Take it on your way out. And that's what... five year period in time yeah. where that was like a thing people did and that yeah. was like right when we, I don't know it's great it's I, like, weirdly nostalgic I remember I watched a little mini doc thing on Netflix and the origin of it and all that stuff and that was was it on Netflix? 
No, I don't think it was. I was going to say, I don't think it's probably very subject- um, objective. But I, but I liked that that was like their first test was like, oh, this would be a good idea. We'll mail discs to everyone. Whatever. If we just, how do we know if it's going to like make it? Are these just going to get destroyed? And they like took right. a disc, threw it in an envelope, put it in the USPS, and it showed up fully intact to the one location. They were like, this is feasible. <laughs> like, I don't know if this was a fluke or whatever, but like, if it if that one disc had showed up like shattered, they'd have been like, we need to rethink this because then we need to Netflix. like pay for like red box cases. Or yeah, like it needs to be shipped in a case or yeah. something. Like, but that's the key is that because you can ship it in an envelope mm-hmm. and not a hard box. Yeah, shipping is Infinitely minimal. Cheaper. Yeah. Uh, so really. If one post but I got, office... I got my 24s at, like, Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got How I Met Your Mother at Blockbuster. I remember... I Oh, because I remember one season where it was, like, disc three was gone for, like, months. Oh, it was like, God. I can't move on to anything else until this asshole returns disc three. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Man, those were the days. Loved it, though. Like, that's... There was something about that that's so tangible. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rodney, Bradley... They come to the Silver Mustang Casino uh, with three mm, similarly looking women, Candy, Mandy, and Sandy, who are all in like, mm-hmm. pink, like and, bubblegum pink yeah. costumes. Yeah. They look like backup singers from like some yeah. like doo-wop band or something. Yeah. Um, and really, Candy's the only one we ever... Get really know. get to know yeah the other ones are named and i don't even know if we ever hear them named but they are named i'm sure they're if they are the names are said they're right. said candy Manny, and sandy like i don't even think they do that i think no? it's just in the credits Candy's the only name i think we ever actually hear interesting um but amy shields irish actress she's wonderful she was at twin peaks fest when mm-hmm. we were there she was actually the one the first celebrity that we saw at twin peaks because we saw her at Tweed's when we were there before the fest yeah. started. Oh, that was her? The first, because we got there a little bit early and we're like, oh, let's go to Tweed's. Just go hang out before the, the fest crowd gets in a yeah. little bit. Tweed's is... So is the, yeah, the, the place... The, the Double R Diner. Is the double, do- the double R Diner. And we like went in there and got some cherry pie and whatever. Um, and I saw someone who just didn't look local and didn't look fan touristy was like way too beautiful for this area yes. and had like big black sunglasses on yes and i Which started looking at her and i was like Pacific Northwest. oh i think that's uh i think that's candy from season three and it and then i was because that's what it was she wasn't listed right she was a surprise guest she was one of the and they so had she, surprise guests and that's somebody right. asked her for their autograph and, and she, she was like i gotta get out and she left and yeah. I, I feel like she said at some point like or we talked to the yeah, person yeah. who got her, her uh, yeah, someone, autograph. Yeah, someone went over and talked like, to her and she's like, with this. hey, I'm, yeah, I'm supposed to be a surprise. Which, so sorry, Candy. Um, maybe don't go to Tweeds. I don't know. Like, but also, go to it Tweeds was when same, you've been announced. It was the same bit that we had where we went like two days before the fest. I don't think it was that. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, but it was, it was before early everything enough. Before started. In. Right. It hadn't officially started yet and the hope was I could maybe get away with this mm-hmm. the more, and, you know, at noon on a, the Thursday before it starts mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> but fans are diehard, so no, you can't. 
Um, so anyway, so these guys, uh, they punish Burns, who is... Um, Brett Gelman. Brett Gelman. I don't know why I always want to say Steve Agee. They don't look alike. Yeah, but they occupy the same space. Right? <laughs> kind of just yeah. nerdy-looking white guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, Brett Gelman um, is punished for Cooper's win. And they keep... So Warwick, who is the guy we talked about at length last week, that whoever's the number Dave two... Dave Dismelchin. Yeah. Um, one of the Mitchum, Rodney or Bradley keeps saying, how much did he win? And he keeps repeating. And there's this crack in his voice. Because he, he how much did he win in the first time? $425,000. He says it matter-of-factly. Thinking and, he's a- actually asking him. <laughs> yeah. And then he beats the shit out of Brett Gelman a little bit. And then he looks back, how much did he win? And he's like, four hundred and twenty. Fuck. Yeah. Like, I know... This is not what I want to remember. Every time I say this, you're just going to get kicked right. more. And I... Uh, but I also... I don't want them to, them to kick my ass. Right. So I'm going to answer you. Like, it's it's a... Yeah, great delivery. Which, it's an interesting scene. I, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, I don't think that's how casinos are run anymore. Like, this felt like a very 1960s thing to happen of, like, oh, this guy won a bunch of... Like, I feel like it's heavily regulated and it, they don't just have like some strong man coming in beating people up in offices and said like that that feels very old school vegas to me and but, un, like not yeah. a good way to run a business but also like i this is this is it doesn't seem like an off strip situation yeah it doesn't seem this, like a touristy and gra- i don't know what that means and it's these old-timey slot machines that still drop quarters like yeah everything is kind of outdated there and yeah, you're probably right. And yeah, and whatever, actually, but, now that you say that, like, it could just be David Lynch kind of playing with the timeline of yeah, you know, who has what. Like they, yes, this is modern day Las Vegas, but it has a sensibility of it. And it, and it could be taking things out, like oh, like clearly the Mitchums are mob related, but also like, like Steve Wynn just that guy was a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Like, there's awful, awful, awful people running casinos. Yes, and I don't doubt that. And they might not be mob-related, but, like, this doesn't seem that out of character for mm-hmm. some of these people. Yeah. Especially when it's just, like... Yeah, I could they're be not, they're, it. Th- This is all in private. This is, you lost this thing. I'm going to beat the fuck out of you and fire you. Yeah. That's that's all it is. There's, that's that's It has nothing to do with regulations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So they fire Burns. Warwick um, is replaced by him, and they say if um, if Dougie ever returns to the casino, let them know. Um, now we're back in the um, Rancho Rosa. Is that what it's called? That subdivision, mm-hmm. Rancho Rosa. Um, it's also the name of the new production company that built for this series. Oh, is it? So the title card that you see at the beginning of every episode is Rancho, Rancho Rosa. Rosa. I didn't notice. Um, so we're back in the house with the woman who is yelling 119, well, clearly um, something. And you um, got a big red balloon on the floor behind her, which why, what do now, the red is, now is reminiscent of that weird structure in the, the courtyard of Dougie's office. There are balloons everywhere. What do they mean? Red balloons are, I don't know. I, they, I don't know. Um, but it is a through line. Yeah. So that little boy who we saw um, the last time we met this woman who, oh, how would you get his age? Seven? 
I'm not good at I'm ranges. not great at that either. Yeah, maybe a little older. Um, he leaves the house. His mother's passed out. Yeah, he's... Something to note that I stood out to me is that he's wearing a random t-shirt with, like, a, a number one patch on it. Oh, yeah, he was. Which... More numbers. Sure. That's part of it. I, we ha- hear a lot about Laura is the one Ooh. later. Okay. And what that means, maybe nothing, maybe whatever. But mm-hmm. what a, for whatever reason, costuming put him in a shirt with number one on it, mm-hmm. or they sewed a number one patch onto a t-shirt mm-hmm. more deliberately. Like, why it's there is not a mistake. If it means something, who knows? Right. But. um, So the boy leaves the house um, walks across the street where we still see Dougie's car or Dooge. <laughs> yeah, gross. <laughs> his license plate. <laughs> what is his license plate? It's D U G E space L V. Oh, Las so Vegas. It's Dougie, Las Vegas. But I saw it was like, Dooge. <laughs> yeah. I hate that. <laughs> Dooge feels like something a frat guy would name his bulldog. <laughs> Is that too specific to be a joke? I don't know. <laughs> um, so he sees Dougie's Dooge's car, um, and he goes to uh, look under it where we had previously learned that the people who are tailing Dougie had put a bomb. I, or we assume it's a bomb. It could be a bomb, it could I be a tracker. I assume it's a tracker. Yeah, I thought it was a tracker at first, but... And it seems to be a tracker, I think... It's got that, like, a red blinking light reads tracker to yeah, me. It, <laughs> like, it, it reads sh- and Hollywood shorthand for tracker. You saw them put it on, and it was a quick, like, whink. Mm. Like, yeah, But they also said something about, we'll rig his car or something like that, which I, sounded sinister. My my thought was it was a tracker to see where his car, cause they thought he was going to be leaving. Right, and where then they, he And lives. then they were going to rig his car with a bomb wherever it went. Oh, I see. And since it never went anywhere, they just rigged it. In, in the driveway. That, yeah. Assuming, because they said he hasn't been out, nobody's gone in. Right. So they have assumed that he's been there for overnight, I guess it's yeah. been. I, yeah. It seems or to is be. coming, at some point, ideally, he's going to come back for his car. No, but I'm sorry, I meant, because oh. um, they think he's still, he hasn't left the house. We haven't sure. seen him leave the house. Um, but I am trying to figure out the amount of time that's passed. Because at first I was like, has he been there for like three or four days? But I don't. I think it's been 24 hours. Yeah. Mom, 119 mom is still wearing the same thing. Yeah. I think the kid is too. I don't recall. And I think, I mean, I think we can probably, not t- any timelines are clear, but it's a pretty clear, like he started in the house, became Cooper Dougie, went to the casino, right. got in trouble there, went home. That was and at night. And it's obviously the next morning because right. she's still talking about it this seems, how much money and we hit it tonight. It seems like if... The Las Vegas storyline, eliminating everything else, is consistent. Yeah. This is the next day. Okay, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. Um, so the kid goes to reach for it, and then he's shooed away by a gang of youths. Those youths. <laughs> uh, and so they, uh, they pull up in a 1970 Dodge Charger, which is more specific than I'm comfortable with. Well, it was um, a surprisingly, like, classic expensive car. Oh, okay. Um... They decide, so they kind of shoo the kid away, um, and then they get ready to steal it because they figure. <laughs> there's a moment when you're pour- Mikey just got up to refill his wine, and there's a moment when you're pouring wine and you're like, okay, if I finish this bottle 
it's going to fill my wine glass like an inch from the top, which is absurd looking. Or I can put an inch worth of wine back in the bottle and then be disappointed next time I try to top up my wine. Anyway, Mikey definitely Listen, went. it's fine if you're Dwight Schrute. <laughs> when I, I know I always talk about Montana, but my favorite thing about Montana is I've always been a red wine drinker, even when I was younger and in Montana, where I don't think this needs too much saying, but you definitely don't necessarily need to drink a lot of wine in Montana. They're more of a liquor beer state. Um, but, but there's this um, bar I used to go to that had a pool table and it had a free jukebox, which was really important to me. And anytime I would go there, if I felt like wine, they would have a box of wine behind the bar and they would pull out a wine glass. And clearly these bartenders are like, you know, they have worked at these shitty bars. They have to do Jack and Cokes and open Budweiser's and that's kind of it. And so whenever they would pour me a glass of wine, they would literally pour it like it was a beer and pour it to the top of the wine glass and charge me $3. It was well, I'm not going to sell you a thing that's not full. <laughs> but it's tr- it's just one of those things like if you don't know that a wine glass is not supposed to be like like a water glass. Breathe. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I would get shit faced off like $6. It was great. Those were the days. Um... So they, I don't know how I go, Mikey's wine incident, um, his wine crime. So the, uh, these kids kind of shoo the, the younger kid away. They go to start stealing the car, and the car explodes. Um, several members of this gang or youth organization, mm-hmm. as I'll call them respectfully, um, die it, in yeah, this like, explosion. And it explodes when the car is started. So like... Right. There's no way that's connected to this thing that's like adhered to the bumper. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, the, so it's probably, the rigging tr- is somehow separate. So it's not like they saved this kid's life because if he had touched the tracker, it would have exploded. Right. Okay. Right. That's I fair. don't think. Um, but also, who knows? Like, the way like electronics work in the world of David Lynch is insane. Yeah, exactly. As we see later in the episode when, like, <laughs> Mr. C button mashes the phone and it just does whatever he wants to do and sets off like like, like you, fire alarms it's and like, shit. Yeah. It's like when you shoot a lock, it does the thing that you want it to right, do. Yeah, every it time it disables you, the yeah, lock any or enables movie, the lock. You shoot a lock and it either prevents it from opening for people behind you or it will open <laughs> the lock for, yeah, for you. It's, yeah, perfect. It's, it Great was a example. really smart design by John Doerr, who invented the door. Uh, yeah. Uh, John, um, no, John Doerr is a Canadian comic. We hung out with him at TAM that one year. I hung out with him a ton. He was the best. Because you went to bed like a nerd, and I stayed up and got drunk with strangers, motherfucker. I have a weird life, huh? <laughs> Maybe yeah. not great relationship with being alive. <laughs> also, I did not realize John Doerr invented the door. Oh, did you not know that? No, yeah. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just assumed it had been around longer than this, like, 30-year-old man. Well, I mean, he's probably 45. So. Oh, right, 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 right. So they would have been invented right, by the time right, you were right, born. Right, so right, 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 that's why I did right. You just don't know a word, world without doors. <sighs> he, he, he encouraged Which me to get back in. Which first, a door or the doors? He encouraged me to get back into stand-up comedy, but I think he was just being polite and I was just being annoying. Because <laughs> it was him and all. Uh, 
What's his face? I can't think of his name. The satirist's guy. Paul Provenza. Paul Provenza. I was like, talk, like literally at one point, I was like, I don't know, I'm almost 30. I'm probably not, like, it's probably too late for me to start Sinokami. And Paul Provenza was like, look at Phyllis Diller. And I was like, you're right. I am the Phyllis <laughs> Diller of my generation. Everybody says that about me. You could me. be the next Constance Talbot. <laughs> <laughs> my eyebrow game is not nearly as strong as hers. Um, so... So these, the members of the gang dies. And what I noticed is there was like people gathered outside their house to watch this. Because when these kids roll up in the, the charger, their radio is blasting. Yeah, yeah. And so by the time, because like when the car blows up, I noticed somebody across the street was like out there with their family. Like, Well, and there, you get, this is a really, really cool shot. I don't know if this was a, a Lynch design via direction or a Peter Deming design via direction. But like the... The camera set up on the swivel, I, I guess, to pan from in the driveway of like you see the one car pull. You start at the end of the street. You see the one car pull up. Which they did the shot in the first stops, episode or second And it episode. goes, pans the other way, and then swings all the way back to see the next car pull up, the black one. And it's, it's just a really cool, simple shot of let's make this – I don't know. It just visually interesting. Yeah, in just such a really cool way, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, I don't know. That's all. Um. So that shit explodes. Um. The kid and then, runs. Yeah, then home. you see like, like, it exploded, but those bodies look like they had been charring for a week. It was weird. It was like a very concentrated explosion because, yeah, those bodies were like absolutely yeah. frizzled, but the kid was 10 feet away and was fine. Right. So, like, maybe it imploded. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so the kid goes home. His mother wakes up, stares out the door. Um, we're back with Jade uh, from, what, the second episode? Second part? Something like that. Um, who I really like a whole lot. Third, maybe? I think third. Um, she, an auto dealer informs Jade that he Nefessa found this, Williams. the set of key, uh, found a set of keys for the Great Northern Hotel in her car, which we saw Dougie drop. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason that he did not get, get, get got. <laughs> um, so they have an address on them. So she just tosses them inside of Malva. And I really liked that they, I don't know, there was like a fun layer to this character of she's the kind of person who like. Oh, there's this thing. Like, she's not going to throw it out or throw it on the ground. She's like, oh, there's a mailbox. I'll just mm-hmm. go toss it. Like, mm-hmm. it sort of gives this layer of, like, she's a very considerate yeah. person who does, well, like... And it breaks that stigma of sex work, yeah. too. Of, yeah. like, you can be a sex worker mm-hmm. and a very functional, wonderful member of society. You know God, what I mean? I just finished the Ripper mini-doc, and literally it was in Yorkshire in the 70s, and um, a man was murdered, like, 17 women, I think. I might be over-exaggerating that, but the cops then were like, oh, they're all prostitutes. And I can't do Yorkshire accent. I'm so sorry I tried. Um, they're all prostitutes. It's fine. So, A, they were like, it's prostitutes. Who cares? B, women who weren't sex workers were like, oh, good. So we're safe then? Great. Anyway, yeah. the West Yorkshire police fucked that up so bad. It's very embarrassing. Yeah. Um, ACAB. Um, so what, what I love about this scene that stands out for me is this is real life now injecting itself into Twin Peaks. That particular keychain. Oh, yes, 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 yes. 
did not exist in the world of Twin Peaks. They fucking straight up bought that shit off of Etsy. Because I... Own that. Yeah, I own that, and I owned it. So you never see the keychain in Twin Peaks, Mm -hmm. season one or two. There might be scenes of keys hanging on a hook behind them. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that green sort of oblong... It's a very diamond. Yeah. It's a very old school it's an motel. Old, old old school motel thing, but you never actually see the key or what it says on it or whatever. Um, but you can go on Etsy in various places and get what we have, which each one of our car keys yeah. is that we have that one mm-hmm. in Great Northern. There's the Bates Motel. Mm-hmm. We've got one from Rosebud the, Motel. From Rosebud from Shits Creek. Creek. We've got one from the uh what's the shining of the overlook hotel overlook hotel um yeah is that all of them yeah because my car key has a stay sexy stay sexy don't oh, get right. murdered sure thing um but so so but they're all that same thing and it's just you can print on it whatever you want mm-hmm. what's interesting about it is that it prints what it says on the front room 315 great northern hotel and then on the back it's got the quote clean what um Clean place, reasonably clean place, priced. reasonably priced, and that's just all straight up out of his dialogue when he's rolling into town in Twin Peaks. Of hopefully the sheriff can put me up with a good place um, to to stay for the night. I'm looking for a place, a clean place, reasonably priced. That's all I need. Clean place, reasonably priced. It's not an advertising slogan for the Great Northern. It's not a thing that was addressed or mentioned before. It's straight up. Just a thing Cooper said on his way into town into Twin Peaks is what I'm looking for is a place that's a clean place, reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that it says that on the back of the keychain is just this is a real life keychain. Cause I bought my keychain in like 2013 or something like that, 2014. Oh, I thought you got it when we got the monster in 2015. 2015, maybe. Either way, before this. Sure. series came out yeah so i had that keychain already mm-hmm. and then i saw it on screen and was like it's the exact same one yeah that's bizarre and then you now you can you buy that keychain through like the showtime store and right. stuff like that but it's a weird I moment if they paid that etsy designer or if they or it didn't have it to, might be they... slightly different or well, you know she probably wouldn't have a leg to stand on she doesn't own copyright right for... exactly but it's it's interesting because it's a thing that existed in the real world and it references a it references Twin Peaks like a quote from Twin Peaks mm-hmm. that's bizarre mm-hmm. to have that be what they use in this show do you think David Lynch went back and rewatched the absolutely first two not s- I think I'm wondering if he just misremembered what remembers like- the stuff that he directed and nothing else and none of it matters it, to him. No, nothing else. None of the episodes he didn't direct are relevant. Yeah, he just doesn't give a fuck, huh? Doesn't doesn't care. It doesn't even some of the episodes he directed. Don't care if if this if doing this right now gets me the feeling I want right now. Mm-hmm. Don't really care if it mm-hmm. ruins your theory or ruins <laughs> your connection. Like, don't care about any of that. Yeah. I I'm going for right. He lives very much in the now and the right here. Like. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I find it a really, really fascinating because there's also theories that we'll get to when we get to like the conclusion of this series about 
real life and real life's impact on Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. And I think this is kind of the first nugget we get of that. All right, so we go back to to the Double R Diner, um, and we have our Via first, Norma. Yeah, we have our first Norma sighting. Best way to open. Just... We're going to the Double R Diner. We got to see Norma. Mm-hmm. Very happy Boom. to see her. And she's working out of a booth. She doesn't have an office in the mm-hmm. back somewhere. I love it. Yeah, I, I do like she's, this. She's of the people. Yeah, like, but, but also got... we're we're gonna get into like business Norma situations. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. what is. You know, what is she doing? So we've, we're going to find out a lot about, like, what happens with Double R. Um, so she's certain, <clears throat> excuse me, she's certain through documents. Uh, Heidi is serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and Becky, <laughs> <laughs> Becky delivers bread to Toad and gets money from Shelly. Even so- Toad is still working at the Double R. <laughs> That's so awesome. I don't know who Toad is. Toad is barely in the original series, but he's the guy running the kitchen. Oh, yeah, and yeah, And he's yeah. been there... For, for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, for forever, apparently. Um, so Becky borrows money from Shelly. Uh, so we figure out in this scene that Shelly has a yeah, kid. It's barely audible. Mm-hmm. It's You're seeing all this from way back in Norma's booth. Norma's point of so view. So it's a, Yeah, it's a little bit quiet because you're picking up what Norma's picking up. But it's, it's a weird way to reveal... Shelly has a daughter, and this is that daughter. Right. And you're, like, instead of introducing this person, which is what you would have expected, having it be Amanda Seyfried, who's got a name. Right. As um, Shelly's child, that's a prominent character from another prominent character. That right. we, this You think that this, oh. And the, they reveal her and introduce her in such a, subtle way very subtle. like if you if we didn't know amanda seafried as an actor you'd almost think this is just a delivery person and then and then there's like mumbles of i need money or something Mm -hmm. from from shelly but i don't know why shelly's giving it to like it's and she calls her mom and stuff like this so Mm -hmm. it's the information's all there but like it's a little quiet it's a little like it's very easy to miss this if you're not paying attention right um I have a small complaint that ultimately doesn't really matter, but it's <laughs> I've noticed it this time around, is both uh, Amanda Seyfried and Michael Sarah were... Bo- I-, I looked it up. Amanda Seyfried's my age. She was born in 85. Michael Sarah is born in 88. And it's a little, like, not annoying, but off-putting that these are these people's children, but they should have been born in the early mid-90s. So they should be, like, in their... Yeah, but... Keep in mind the the ages match in comparison to their parents, because their parents weren't actually seventeen when they like oh, the, so like Dana Ashbrook and Machen Amick weren't seventeen when they filmed Twin Peaks. So they were twenty five. Oh. So if you if you compare them to their parents, the age range is like the age difference between uh, Amanda Seyfried and Machen Amick are accurate. They're just shifted There's in reality. Just something in. <laughs> Something in Twin Peaks water that gives everyone low-key Jack's disease. Yeah. What? You know the movie Jack with Robin Williams? Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. 
Okay. Okay. I, then we're agreed. I just forgot about it completely. Okay. Then until Twin Pe- this very moment. Then there's an out- a mild outbreak of Jack's disease oh. in Twin Peaks, and I'm gonna go ahead and but, write TwinPeaks.fandom.com and yeah. let them know that. All that I know is theory- everyone is beautiful in Twin Peaks. Oh my God, what is in their water? It doesn't matter how old they are. Everyone is beautiful, and also Stephen. Maybe fluoride really is bad for you because, like, I feel like in Washington they don't have a lot of fluoride. Maybe. And maybe that's why they all look beautiful. Or maybe it's Hollywood. Mm, that doesn't sound right. Um, so anyway, Norma goes to Shelly, um, urging her to help Becky rather than continue to enable her. Um, Becky, Becky, Becky. Takes, well, she was very Becky in that scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Becky takes the money outside to Stephen, who we, Mr. Bad Recipe. In the ugliest goddamn car I've ever seen. White Trans Am with the big eagle on the hood. Oh, so tacky. Um, And then they, I I like this little scene that, you know, she gets like $72, I think. And Mm -hmm. then he pulls out what I assume is Coke, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, yeah. Um, And he like pulls out the vial or whatever you keep Coke in. (laughs) And she's like, did you snort all that today? And he's like, yeah, so? It was a hard day. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, but I had a meeting, and it went really well. And I'm going to take my girl out to dinner. Hey, I saved some food. You want to take? Did you take all of that today? Yeah. Well, why? Why wouldn't I? But my interviews, you know how nervous I get. Come on. Besides, I got some great fucking feedback today. Oh my god, the I got uh, really good notes was such a like a genuinely that is yeah. the only person who would write that is somebody it's, who works in Hollywood because nobody leaves an interview with like a business person says, "Oh, yeah. I got good notes." You re- leave an audition and, and you and say, "I got good notes." Didn't get good notes. He got. But but I'm saying like I got good notes is a way when you're calling your mom yeah. who's like, "Are you okay?" Oh, I got well, some great notes on my it, audition today. It feels to me like a guy who is really, really good at lying. Oh, and just, so, it's effortless. So, like, what this guy says, what what Mike says to him is, like, you're fucking awful. If you don't fix your shit, no one's going to look at anything. He's like, this is garbage. Good note, sir. And if, if you were to give me a lie detector on what happened in that interview, I would say, I got really good notes. It went well. Mm-hmm. It didn't go well. Mm-hmm. It went awful. But... I'm you, spinning it. But I'm spinning it in a way where I could pass a lie detector about how I got good notes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It seems like he's that pathological. Yeah, I agree. And I think I, I think he's just a skew ball. Right. And then um, you so yeah, what I go and, and people and people who are addicted to drugs do like whack shit. So Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um so uh so Becky takes the money to Steven. And then he gives her immediately some... too. He says a line too of like, "How much did we get?" Yes, you took your you took. He is you went and be- begged your mother for money, and he says, "How much did we get?" You didn't do a goddamn thing, dude. This isn't your fucking money. Yeah, it's, this is the most like very patriarchal, abusive. Yeah, it's bad. fucking. Yeah, this is bad. Yeah, they're, they're she's very, in a bad, bad relationship. It's very, very toxic, and obviously that's spreading to her sure. familiar relationships. Um, and then there's a seat, so she snorts. I'm assuming it's coke. Mm-hmm. And then there's a cool scene, cool shot oh, of sorry. her. So she takes the drug, which makes me sound like a fucking square. She takes the drug, um, and kind of leans. Ingests the drug. 
via the nasal cavity. <laughs> that is my favorite uh, line in Almost Famous. It's the only one I remember is that when he gets out Don't of the car. Don't take drugs! <laughs> and I, when I okay. saw that, I was probably like 15 or whatever, but I was like, People say take I, drugs. I thought you the, do drugs. The <laughs> best thing about that that scene is she's Francis McDormand yells that. Oh, it's Francis McDormand. And then she he Patrick Chichi kind of drops his head like in embarrassment and walks away. And it, even Francis McDormand looks around a little bit like I'm embarrassed. I just said. <laughs> and it's so wonderful. It's very she's good. the best. She's a page. Um, and so anyway, she leans her head back on the headrest of the, the passenger seat and just like this really, really slow zoom out. In, and she's just fucking glowing. Yeah. And here's, this is where I remember the first time I was watching this, mm-hmm. we get a moment of, holy shit, here's our new Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. This yeah. young, beautiful blonde haired girl who's got everything going for her she's running a bakery mm-hmm. she but she's got this other side yeah and i love it yeah it's very good what were you about to say um i this is all not even hearsay this is just speculation i don't know if um um if david lynch does drugs or has done drugs but this makes me think of, like, once in a while you'll see an interview with somebody who has kicked drugs. Like, the one I'm specifically thinking of was Robert Downey Jr. I want to say he was on Oprah. And she was like, okay, well, because he had mm-hmm. a long time. He's an addict or a recovering he addict. He did fucking everything. Yeah. Was, yeah. And she was like, oh, what was this? I don't know what it was. Say it was cocaine. I don't think it was. I think it was something more powerful than that. But he was. she was like, what was it like the first time you did it? And he was like oh, it was the best feeling in the world and I immediately wanted to be like that every moment of every day. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people who, not a lot, I think some people who are co- recovering drug addicts are like, yes, it felt very, very good to mm-hmm. be high. However, everything in my life right. fell apart. This is, it almost feels like that to me that David Lynch is like, no, I don't do coke anymore, but fuck, I miss coke. Sure, sure, <laughs> You sure. know? Interesting. That, that's my... Because she's so blissful. Like you said, she's glowing. And yeah. like as her life falls apart around her, she's in this like little silver cage of happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the next hour. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Anyway, that's my take on that. Hmm. Um, so, so we're back in Las Vegas in uh, Dougie's I, build. Th- one other thing I wanted to comment on that that I thought was interesting is they do that. They pick up the money or whatever in the double R parking lot. They sit out in the parking lot, have a little bit of a conversation. They start seeing things going on around and they realize Norma and Shelly are watching them from inside the diner. Mm -hmm. So they decide to go somewhere else. That's when she has her euphoric moment Uh or whatever, which beautiful, beautiful shot. And if it's not practical, it it's very, very, very well faked. Because it feels like they're dry. Like the way the camera kind of has a little bit of a jitter while it's slowly oh, moving oh, in. Like that feels like a like a, a rig they're driving and filming. Huh. And it looks, or, you know, it towing look, the car or whatever. Right. It's very, very well done. Yeah. But then they pull up, like, then the next they have a little bit of a conversation. And wherever they were going is when you see shot, reverse shot of the two of their them and their conversation. Uh-huh. Everything out the windows is fucking dumpsters and garbage cans. Oh, I didn't notice that. Like, it's, you had, 
this beautiful you've got Norma and Shelley and the light and the love mm-hmm. that is the double R diner. You take your cocaine and you end this euphoric moment and this is where you fucking end up amongst the fucking garbage. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really, really interesting metaphor or whatever mm-hmm. or statement on what was happening in that scene. All right, so we're back in Las Vegas. Dougie is standing facing the wrong way in an elevator, which is genuinely classic fucking comedy. Yeah. That will make me laugh every time. And the most fucking somebody, uncomfortable thing in the world. Somebody doing an elevator wrong is always funny mm. to me. Um, and so he's standing there. Did you ever fa- see that old, like, classic? Oh, if you stand the wrong way in like, an elevator, how many people will do it yeah, with like you? 70s mm-hmm. TV, like, like hidden psych, camera weird show. Weird psych experiment. Yeah, some old hidden camera 70s show did that, and like someone would stand around, and then other people would start turning around. It was interesting. But this yeah. is like, there's 15 people in there, they're all facing forward, and Dougie's the only one in the middle facing the wrong way. And it's way. like with that glassy eye. And standing right in front of the door. Mm-hmm. And he's clinging to his little uh, folders. Case files, yeah. His case files. And as soon as the door opens, everybody's immediately furious with him because he doesn't move right away. Which, listen, I hear you. If you've ever had a job that everybody tries to leave the building at the same time, yeah. time is of the essence. And, and it's hilarious, too, because it's, like, very old. Like, it feels like like Philadelphia story or, like, some old, like, everyone in the elevator is like, Hey, buddy, where are you? Oh, where are you? Yeah. Like, it gets Why I oughta- immediately really loud mm. instead of, like, uh, excuse, can, can you? No one goes to the, like, excuse me, can we get... No one does. It immediately Rawr. goes from one, two, three. He hasn't moved. Yeah, and it's hilarious. And like, but it feels very like nineteen fifties or sixties cinema. Mm-hmm. You know. So he, so again, Dougie's in a position that he is out in the world, doesn't know where he is or where he's supposed to be. Right. But he once again, we didn't bring this up before. There's a statue mm-hmm. of. Is it a cowboy? It's hard to tell. It's got some type of fedora. It doesn't look like a full-on cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like a small, like, you know... Like a bowler cap. 40s FBI agent. Oh. Like, or just the, the hats that every man wore in uh-huh. the 40s. It's interesting. And then he's holding, like, a straight-up, like, Western revolver. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a... Yeah, Smith & Watson type yeah. with the long barrel. Yeah, so it's... I don't know. Yeah. But um, he clearly sees some connection to this being probably a lawman mm-hmm. or this is something I'm familiar with and mm-hmm. we know Agent Cooper was a sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. There's a connection there and he's trying to do the same thing on his way in mm-hmm. with the like and he turns and looks at what it's pointing at like yeah. is that where I'm supposed like he's yeah. looking at this thing for guidance yeah yeah Um, and so because everybody's kind of gone for the day he ends up just standing staring at the statue and that's mm-hmm. the end of that and scene. he's like petting the foot yeah the foot um, we go back to the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station briefly where Hawk and Andy uh, continue to sort through files in a beautiful intro long slow shot kind of rounds the table mm-hmm of them I honestly for a little while and a little bit of me hoped it would happen but it didn't was that that's all you'd see is Hawk and Andy looking at files and going through files and then there's no dialogue Mm -hmm. I kind of thought for because it goes a minute or two before Andy says something yeah and I really thought it was just like oh this is cool this Mm -hmm. is just hey don't forget these guys don't forget these guys are trying to figure out what Hawk's looking for 
because of the Margaret message. Mm-hmm. Um, They're still just straight up digging up. And then, yeah. Speaking uh, of digging. Ooh, and then, but then. God damn it, Michael. Well, but it's a good transition. But then Andy drops the like, have, I haven't found an Indi- Indian yet. And Hawk gives him this a little bit of a look of like, what have you been looking for? Why are you talking? Oh. What are you looking like? I, I almost wonder if like is Hawk never seemed like someone who was offended by the term Indian, Mm-mm. but it almost seems like there's a little bit of an offense there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a weird. It's the first time Hawk seems frustrated, and maybe that's what it is: is that they've been looking for a long fucking time, and I have no idea. Yeah, thought maybe it was about the bunnies. It's not about the fucking bunnies. <laughs> we, we've ruled out the bunnies. I don't know what I'm looking. And right. he and he's so lost because am I looking for? Mm-hmm. It has something to do with your heritage. Does it have to do with my personal heritage? Is it my people's heritage? Right. What am I looking for? And then it seems like Andy's just like, I'm just looking for Indian things. Mm-hmm. There's no eagle feathers in here. Right, I don't know. exactly. So it's it's just a really interesting scene, but a good check-in with mm-hmm. these characters. Would you say they're digging... Would you just say they're digging through paperwork for me? I just... I like that they're... Moving forward, trying to find this case, digging upon digging upon digging through case files. <laughs> digging upon digging. Yeah, just so much digging through case files. Speaking of digging. <laughs> yeah, did I set you up? Is that what you're looking for? It's seven o'clock. <laughs> Do you know where your freedom is? Oh, uh, okay. I will say this bit has gotten slightly less funny in the last two years due to scary videos like that causing certain members of our society to, you know, mount an insurrection at the United States Capitol. Mm-hmm. So it lost some of its kitschiness a little the bit thing for is, me. This was also written. As the same thing. This is this is a direct parody of those same things. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be a cook, Alex Jones, but on a positive side, and also you know what I mean, like and like, also like very obviously in it for the money because he oh for sure if I'm gonna make but but like he's peddling conspiracy theory and shit like that or whatever but like well not conspiracy theory he's peddling solutions that are bullshit. <laughs> What well, he has a vape he does what a lot of people he is are looking Dr. Amp, Dr. Jacoby, by the way. Yeah. We just kind of jumped into this. I, I I mean, assuming you all watch this, so never mind, but um yeah. what I think is interesting, and I was kind of paying attention to what he said, is that he feels more like like a leftist conspiracist than a mm-hmm. than somebody from the this right. This is I will almost bet I mean I I would bet a lot if it came down to it that this was 100% scripted by Mark Frost oh yeah I don't doubt that either this is this is very much Mark Frost but but it, it does a thing I enjoy so I for my other podcast I read and watch a lot of videos about people who do this kind of thing mm-hmm. like generic 
conspiracies at all, right? Like they're, And that's what kind of what he does. He doesn't say anything specific. It's not like lizard people have infiltrated the government. It's, it's just a very Generic old, truth revealing. Yeah, exactly. Like, Quote unquote. They are hiding the truth from you. Who's they? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter or whoever you want them to be. Is yeah. it your mother or is it the president? Unclear. They're both lying. Like, at, and honestly, that's a, a thing I have learned the a lot. Fucks. We call them the fucks. Right, exactly. The fucks are at it again. It, it's a very, um, uh, it's very conspiracist mindset in that, like, often these people who believe, you know, 9-11 truthers or, you know, going down to, like, the lizard people we call kind them of truthers, people. Like, well, um, but they sort of a lot of people like that kind of live in a, and I think a lot of the right lives like the parlor set. Mm. Everybody is lying to you, right? Why doesn't matter. They're hiding something. Anything anybody says is a lie, and be, and like and there's it, because it make it gives you the individual listener importance. Yeah, if, if, you if everybody's like hiding thing and you know the truth, mm-hmm. you become important. Yeah, and exactly. you skyrocket education, money, status, everything. You skyrocket above all these conspiracy people theories because are you are in the know. Conspiracy theories are for stupid people who desperately want to be smarter than the people around them. Right. Um. So he's Doctor Amp, and he's do. It's so funny because this took place contemporarily, but he's. He's got like a full on like camera as opposed to he's just like oh, it's, using it's a webcam a full, or whatever. Like, HD like prosumer camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he's got the camera set up on this desk and he's got his script, script handwritten, which, if which I remember it, right. In the in the shot where we see from that angle of that camera on his ledge or whatever, you can tell he's not performing to camera. He's reading. He's reading. Entirely. He like, is, yeah. He wrote all this in advance, and now he's just fucking reading Yeah, it. he's not, like, trying to make eye contact or anything. Except for when he... I, it's just so weird. He pulls that thing, and the shovel swings out. Yeah. And it's it's really... I have a hammer. It's really unclear yeah. if this is meant to be, like, a YouTube video or a podcast or I think either. it's both. I mean, I think it's... It's the, I mean, YouTube has podcasts now, I think. Like, you can, I mean, people like YouTube, like, post up their sure. podcasts on YouTube. I think it's, I think it's the same thing. I think it's just yeah. generically putting all this out there. You can either just listen to it or you can watch the video version. Yeah. You can do whatever. If you have, yeah, okay. Um, so he, God, so we podcasts see, are the worst, though, am I right? Oh my God. <laughs> I, Honestly, like I know we were doing a fun goof for a second. I did forget we were doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't admit that. Oh, okay, I'll cut it out. Um, so he, so we see Jerry Horn is watching it, um, smoking a J. Jerry Horn is just in the middle of the fucking woods. Oh my god, he's just out of yeah. tree. Yeah. Um, and we also see Nadine Hurley, which is this the first time yeah, we've seen her? the first time we see Nadine. Is her eye patch gigantic or is that just me? It looks like it takes, it's like a fan of the opera mask. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, didn't notice that. But I just remember be. it being like particularly, like I think, well, it doesn't matter. It's not that. So we see, this is the first time we've seen Nadine Hurley. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, she's just adoring this. Oh my God. Like she's absolutely Soaking loving it. Soaking it up. Um, 
So his broadcast ends with an ad for his golden shovels that we watched him spray paint. They're just like fucking this, yeah, Home we Depot finally shovels. get the resolution of why the fuck was he spray painting shovels? Gold? And why did we watch it in real time? And the best is, <laughs> yeah, the best is like he advertises these and then doesn't even, he says, like doesn't advertise them as though they're golden shovels. He specifically says in his ad, two coats. Like, these are straight up just painted shovels. Yeah. These are just regular shovels I painted, and they're twice $30. Though. But twice. But though. I spray painted them twice, two coats. Two times. So, thir- <laughs> give me $30 for this shovel. And then he- Like, anybody could do this on their own for significantly cheaper. Yeah. And then at the end, which I have to imagine shipping is going to be so expensive for these Insane. If, in fact, this posts on the internet, maybe he's like an FM radio host and only people in the immediate Twin Peaks right? area can hear it. Um, so he does this, this really lovely, I'm going to generously call it a special effects bit, but it's not. He He's in like hip waders and he's, you know, hip deep in mud. And yeah. he like does the whole one like big scoop. one scoop while staring at the camera and then like bling. <laughs> And he's on top and of he, the ground. And he's just holding the remote control that makes the big, big orange glowing gold light shine. So when he oh, pops up, he presses that. the button and then the light goes on. I didn't notice that. Like, he's, it's so janky. He clearly like set up a tripod and he's doing this by himself. Yeah. Yes. Like, he doesn't even have a, a, anyone there to film this for him. I do feel like if I died suddenly and, tra- and tragically, this is you in 25 years. <laughs> Like, in a camper, just, like, yelling at the internet. No, I'm not oh. that outgoing. Uh, you, you know how hard it was for me to do this. I don't. You were very excited to talk about Twin Peaks. And no, all I, did was I like throw to talk about Twin Peaks, you. but you really had to pull me in to want to do this. I'll talk to you about Twin Peaks. I just like pretending And he does. <laughs> um... Uh, maybe it's like me. People. Maybe Michael. I don't like. Maybe people. I'm projecting again, and maybe it's if you. You guys are some... great, though. I love. I love you, people. Oh, the people who are listening. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, if I... anyone's listening, I don't know if anyone's listening. And, probably not. Not that many people, <laughs> and they all tweet at us. Um, <laughs> but um, no, maybe that's my future. Maybe like if you died suddenly and tragically, I would pack everything up, move in a trailer, and like nowheresville. Washington or like go and live in Lee and Amanda's backyard and just be like the government is trying to get you I would just probably go live in the basement to be fair you were like hey this quarantine is going to be great re me staying in the basement and then like a week into quarantine you're like I'm sick of being in the basement I was like well I don't know what to do about that yes I don't know um okay god okay so so he wants his viewers to uh, buy themselves shovel to to shovel out of the shit and into the truth, which is as meaningless as it is funny. <laughs> it's good. It's very good. Uh, and then at the end, they show that very old, like eighties and nineties, like for two easy oh. payments of twenty nine ninety nine. This can be it's that a one blue screen. Oh, it's a one. Shipping. I <laughs> shipping. Yeah, that's. I used to be really confused when I was younger. And it's got the would... like flashing like oh, gold yeah, so lightning tacky. bolts. And, yeah. It's like the like the dancing hamster of early internet, but this is like 
TV of that version of like, oh yeah, yeah, I recognize that flash yeah. screen. I mean, it's public access shit. Yeah. Totally. Um, I forgot. Oh, <laughs> when I was little, they would always see like no COD. They would always say on those kinds of ads like no COD or so, like COD unavailable. Mm-hmm. Where we live, COD is College of DuPage. <laughs> oh yeah, but it's also cash on delivery, yeah. and so I was perplexed as a child. <laughs> Like, you thought, like, everyone in the world can get this, but except if you go to COD? I get, like, it's that thing when you're young enough that you don't, like, extrapolate beyond, like, no COD. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> well, fucking college your page. <laughs> Fuck you. You I can't have a gold shovel. You guys are fucked. I was going to get my associate's degree there, but I guess not. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right, so we go back to D.C. We're at the Pentagon. Um, Lieutenant Cynthia Knox, who is another actor. Do you know her name off the top of your... Adele Renee. Adele Renee, who we also met, and she she's amazing, uh, genuinely so kind, like and like a true fucking philanthropist, like wonder, yeah. wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah, I don't know that. Much. I, I feel like you know a lot more about or some more about her because I don't know about her philanthropy, but I just remember we she was there that night that we were talking about we did the costume contest, and I had a costume that actually we're going to see in a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and after which the, I realized after the fact too when you mentioned the t-shirts. Being yeah. bad, that t-shirt makes no sense until you've seen the episode coming yes. up in a few also, weeks. Yes, also, I'm pretty sure I said multiple times that we we're at the 2017 Twin Peaks Fest. We we're at the 2018, oh, yeah. 18, Twin, Fe- Twin, Fe- yeah. Twin Peaks Fest and... Tour de France. We were at the 2018 <laughs> Tour de France. I came in like 12th, which isn't bad. Which is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was all that new athlete blood oh, that we uh-huh, put uh-huh, in you. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, she... I might not be remembering this correctly, but like, don't like blow the image that I have because it's great. That she was like oh, to me, I have a good picture of you. Like she took a picture of me, and she was like, "Can I send it to you?" And I was like, "Okay." And then she uh, like airdro- she, airdropped it or whatever. No, like that was so okay. But she airdropped it, it like to my it was iPhone. I didn't have an iPhone, so she sent it to you. Oh, the picture. So we talked to her because she okay. At the Friday night costume contest. I really thought this was going to be a briefer episode, but we're on an hour and 45. That's fine. Is it? Yeah. You don't have to. It's fine. Um, at the costume contest thing. So everyone, it, this is very like like wedding reception-esque. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a head table and the head table is all the celebrity guests. Yeah. And then everyone has their like eight or 10 seat satellite tables. Right. Um, and then... That's where everybody's sitting, and then everybody's lined up in a hallway outside that wants to do the costume contest. Uh-huh. And then everyone has a number, and you go in one at a time. Hey, this is number 12. Yeah, and you do your little runway walk. You do your little, like, walk in front, and your walk is in front of all the tables Mm -hmm. of viewers. It's like across the dance floor if you're at a wedding. In front of your tables, but also, like, in between the tables of people— and in between that and the celebrity f- head table, and the head, the celebrities are the judges for this costume. So yes, yeah. so you're walking so that everyone sees in between the judges slash celebrities and attendees doing your little strut back and forth to show off your costume. Mm-hmm. And I walked in front of Adele Renee. So my costume was. I'll, without giving things away about what's going to happen in a couple episodes, one of the characters who we haven't met yet was also there at the fest. The person I 
I dressed up as his scene partner. And that guy was there. So she got Adele Renee was sitting next to him. This was Robert Broski. Adele Renee was sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. And she took a picture of he and I together. Ah. Because he turned around and like took a picture of me with him Mimicking as though I were scene. his scene partner. And she took a picture of it on her iPhone. And then we talked to her and she was like, I got a great picture of that from very close up, like yeah. great photo. And it is a great photo. Yeah. Um, and I don't have airdrop. So she wanted to send it to us without giving us like her email address which, or whatever, which is smart. Apparently I'm an old person because I did not know airdrop was the yeah, thing. Yeah, I didn't either. But it's an iPhone thing and I don't have yeah. an iPhone, you do. So if you're just like in proximity to somebody, you can send them a picture without sure. being like, here's my phone number, right. random person right. at a so fan fest. Yeah, so she sent this picture and it's great. Uh, we'll drop some of these pictures You'll have to send it to me. in the... Um, well, the at, costume after won't mean party. anything until... It, yeah. Right. Okay. After party. It's a, it's a reference to part eight, mm-hmm. um, which is... Excellent. But anyway, we talked to her for a... She was one of... We mentioned uh, Christoph, who is a little person who... Oh, we haven't seen him yet, have we? We have not seen yet in What's this he, series. Bloodshank? What's his name? Ice Ike, Pick? Ike the Spike. Oh. Not Ice um, Pick or Bloodshank? I don't know what Bloodshank is. I don't but, think it's anything, actually. But you can be Jess Bloodshank Grife if you want. Uh, that'll be your nickname. That's fine. That's pretty dope. Um, But the two people that, like... At the fest, we hung out with the most where we had like sit downs of conversations were Christoph mm-hmm. and Adele Renee, mm-hmm. who we chatted with at the picnic mm-hmm. on Sunday, which was a delight. She was wonderful. So nice. Yeah. I mean, that was the thing is like, without exception from our point of view, like the celebrities mm-hmm. that came there were fucking happy mm-hmm. to be. I mean, it's hard not to be like, it's a fun thing. Like, yes, people are grade a dorks but it's a beautiful mm-hmm. part of the country it's a fun thing and to be some celebrating of these people, like adele, adele renee i've never seen in anything else i know who she is because of this um i'm sure she's a working actress i'm sure she's getting work or whatever but it isn't like kimmy roberts and who knows she's been lucy for 30 years mm-hmm. and, and people still recognize her for that she's been coming to twin peaks fest several times in that interim and she was great and she was wonderful and we had a great conversation with her as well but what's her not, last name I'm sorry which one uh, Adele Renee. Renee R-E-N-E with an accent over the E technically here about her okay go ahead um, but so she's yeah so these are people who like they're excited that they have fans they didn't know about the same way we're excited to see them mm-hmm. and it's a very mutual connection which I think is one of the best things about Twin Peaks Fest Looks like she's um, a casting director as well. Seems Half what? To, she seems to be a casting director as her. Oh, like, okay. Interesting. Sort of I didn't know that. Overarching thing. I like. I don't remember what it is exactly. I know she's working on some project or something with. Right now. I've just got her IMDb open. Yeah. So no, it probably wouldn't be on there. Haymaker. I think like her brother or somebody is down syndrome or something multiple sclerosis or something like that and she works a lot with that community and I don't remember which one it is and I feel bad that I don't know 
Um, I can do some research and, and look it up. Yeah, but um, I, I, you know, find what the, the charity or whatever program she's working on. We'll drop a link in the mm-hmm. um, description about, you know, if you want to help out and support that cause. But she's it, generally she was wonderful. She was very, very, very nice. Very kind. I also want to go ahead. Just this is a little um, hat tip to my husband, Michael. Uh, she mm. is in a movie. It's me. Uh, coming out in this year in 2021 called Haymaker, which follows a retired Muay Thai fighter working as a bouncer who rescues an alluring transgender performer from a nefarious thug, hmm. eventually becoming her bodyguard protector and confidant. Guess who's third build in this movie? I'm not going to make you guess because it's a podcast and that would be boring. <laughs> okay, I will give you a hint. Topic. Moira Kelly? Nope. Oh, D.B. Sweeney. Yes. Nice. <laughs> D.B. Sweeney is the lead of uh, The Cutting Edge, which we've definitely referenced multiple times. I love, I love it's just edge. a movie, a bad 90s movie no. that Mikey... Re- retract that, please. I do love it. I... It's so good. It's so good. I know I do this every it's time, but do you want to watch it tonight? or whatever, but it's, it's genuinely not well, bad. Well, and I think also you watched it at an especially... 1992, so you were 13 when it came out. That's especially formulative. formulative. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Just saying. Like, honestly, like, I... I hadn't really thought about it until right now, but you mentioned... Yeah, I saw that probably pretty close to when it came out. Huh. And I remember, like... I was really into hockey. I liked hockey a lot. And that's cool. And to watch this guy like... Like, I honestly wonder if it was a little bit formative into my breakdown of social stereotypes of... Like gender constructed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like like hockey and I like these fucking... This guy's cool. But like, oh, you can figure skate. That's cool. Yeah. I'm fine. I, I honestly wonder if that had an impact on me... Not thinking, oh, that's fruity or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I you know? think not because I think he's badass in that movie. She's badass in that movie. Super like, dope. The movie's great. I I think I agree that it helped you sort of formulate healthy. I've been doing a little finger skating. You say finger painting? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great joke. Uh, I I feel like you have a healthy view of masculinity and non-toxic masculinity. Partly because of shit like that that you watch at the right age. Well, and, and partly because well, I grew up in a household with only women. That was literally what I was about to say. Is <laughs> yes. You were raised by your mother and your two older sisters. Right. Sure. One of whom physically used to beat you up in front of your friend. So I think you yeah. really had to and, deal with strong and, female figures and pretty early. She would not only beat me up in front of my friends. She would beat me up on the fr- in front of my friends with a strong focus on my testicles. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, oh, but now she, that you have, was absolutely. your sister actually trying to murder you? Probably. Do you remember? I might cut this I know, it's, it was This was my middle sister, and she was acting out because I got along really well with my oldest sister. Mm-hmm. This is the one we had on the show earlier. Yes, A long time Vicky. ago, Vicky. And we, she and I got along really well, and Carrie was the middle child who whatever. So she would act out on me streak. because of, What's that? Carrie has an ornery streak. Yeah. <laughs> but she's great. I also oh yeah, it's not- now she's doing like human resources shit, and she's the best. I fucking love both my sisters so much. Yeah, but yeah, she was terrible to me as yeah. a child. Also, you married me, who is arguably a loud, imposing human woman, which is true. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Say- Could you say it louder, please? 
That's true. I, yeah. No, you got it. Good job, Michael. What? No, shut up. I have more to read. I'm doing a bit about how I'm domineering. Is that not a good bit? No, I it wasn't. I genuinely don't think I'm getting less funny. I really think that you're just sick of me. <laughs> yeah, that could be. My friends still think I'm funny. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Have they been talking to you? understand my personality is based around the fact that if people don't think I'm funny I have nothing (laughs) it's all I have Michael (laughs) so anyway uh, Cynthia Knox she informs Colonel Davis uh was that uh yeah I didn't remember he was in this Winston Zeddemore you might remember him um they have received a match on Major Garland Briggs fingerprints the 16th match in 25 years, which is definitely they did a lot of like exposition while they were talking to each other. But mm-hmm. that was good information to have. So and also delivered in a way that didn't feel. Yeah. Super expositiony. I feel like Mark Frost is pretty good at that. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. packing information in, but still making it sound like how humans talk. Um, so 16th match in 25 years and they found out it's Buckhorn, South Dakota. Davis doubts the legitimacy of the match, but says that if it's indeed truly Briggs that's been identified, that the FBI must be informed. So he's sending her to check this out in person. Right. Um, do you do you want to make that? Do you think the audience has made that connection if they haven't seen uh, it before? Okay. It's, it's, I mean, it's the next episode where we get clarity on what that all means. So, I mean, listen, we have a body that they've been running fingerprint checks on, and we have a but, different place that is... Well, we know that, and... Well, we know that, you and I, but... Oh, I'm just, like, when, when this, this Okay, in. so now... It's out there now. But when we find this out next time, she's surprised to find that the, the, the prints were lifted off the body. As opposed to... We found... A print oh, on a scene print. somewhere gotcha. that someone left the the yeah. grease prints or whatever. Right, because we, I mean, last episode was when, or the one prior, who knows, time means nothing. When she was running the fingerprints and says like it hit something, but the, now it says I need crazy clearance. Right, right. So I don't think it's a, a huge too. leap to put those. But two yeah, things and together. then we, but we find out next time or whatever that confirm she, next time. Yeah, that she says like, oh, where did you pull these prints? And she's like, well, from the body. Right, and they're like, what? Right, yeah. Right. Um, and so we end up, uh, this was definitely um, confusing for me because we get into the um, the roadhouse and the band is playing. And I was like, oh my God, is this episode yeah. over? Because we've been trained well, they, to. Yeah, they set a standard that this is how we kind of close out an episode. Right. So it's band Trouble. They're playing at the roadhouse. This um, is and a we... made up band for this show. Oh, is it? Um, and that lead guitarist in the front, in the middle, uh-huh. is Riley Lynch. David Lynch's son. son. Okay. Um, Riley Lynch. Well, that's handy no, for him. Austin Lynch. This is Riley Lynch. I think Austin Lynch is the one who was. He's got a few kids. I don't remember which one was the one who is is the young boy in. Season two, with the the magic trick Garmin Bosia. Um, That's Austin Lynch, I think. This is Riley Lynch. Yeah. Austin Lynch is the one in season two. 
the uh, Riley Lynch does not mention that he was in prior. Okay, yeah. Then this episodes. is a different son. Apparently, he was a construction worker in Inland Empire. Okay. Um. Okay. So the band Trouble is playing. We're at the Roadhouse, and we see Richard Horn, who's sitting in a booth. We don't. Which we get the name from the credits. Right. But he's never introduced by name. Um, he's in a booth smoking a cigarette directly underneath the no smoking <laughs> Giant sign. Giant no smoking yeah. sign. Yeah. Which uh, is almost more prominent than him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an employee comes up, asks him to stop, and uh, Chad, Chad Broxford, who we met, Officer Deputy Chad, Chad, Deputy Chad, yeah. um, who we know is a bad guy. So somebody's about to go ask the guy, ask who we now know is, is Richard Horn to stop smoking. Chad intercepts and says, I'll take care of it. I'll take care yeah. of it. Uh, ostensibly using his sway as a police officer to, to mm-hmm. take over this particular thing. Um, and so, but instead of saying, can you stop smoking? He asks for his own cigarette and Richard Horn says, oh, just take the whole pack. He grabs it, walks away, opens it up. There's a water cash. Yeah, a water cash. And we saw a hundred. So it's at least and, several And we're cut a little bit too. We see the table next to Richard is. 20 something women. Yeah. And the two of them kind of are continually glancing back mm-hmm. at him. They're like me. They need to know what everybody's doing in public around them. Right, exactly. Which is fun for you. The I opposite forgot. of me is what it is. The op- <laughs> Mikey gets genuine. It's well, I'll be like in the middle of telling you something or in the middle of something, and you'll just like laugh, and I'll be like, "Why did you just do that?" And be like, oh, th- that person behind you at the other table is doing something dumb, and I'm not yeah. paying attention to you. I'm well, you at shouldn't them. have married somebody with ADD if you didn't want to have your life a misery. Yeah. Well. Um, now no one else is around but me and you and the fucking dog so you got your oh attention now huh? I'm so sick of being in this fucking house I love you with all my heart but I just I think we need to be apart for like 24 hours before somebody here dies are you gonna kill me tonight no okay Uh, so, so deputy Chad, deputy Chad, officer Chad, deputy, deputy Chad walks away. There's cash in the um, cigarette box that he obviously takes. So mm-hmm. something shady's happening there. He's taking bribes because clearly Richard's not a good character. Like he's nor is Chad. a bad element, right? But this is confirmation that like deputy Chad is not only just a bad cop; he's a dirty cop. He's he's into some shit. Dirty cop. It's an in sync reference. So, um, the next booth over, um, it's apparently Charlotte and Elizabeth are two of the characters. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte kind of leans over the back of the booth and asks him for a light. And he's like, come on over here. Um, <laughs> he's not Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Get over here. That's what he sounded like in my head. So he brings her over and she like comes around to the booth and he immediately grabs her and pulls her in in a way that like, Sent chills up my spine, and he goes like right for her chest. Yeah, it's it's very scary. Immediate, like it's jarring. Yeah, it's really scary. Yeah, it like it isn't just like okay, this guy's crossing a line. Yeah, this is too. It was he immediately assaulted her. Immediately, immediately. It reminded me. We just watched Alone the other night, and the first Mm. like half hour of it is like this woman kind of interacting on and off with. A male stranger who's obviously threatening but not doing anything 
overtly mm-hmm. threatening and it it's just like it just makes my palms mm-hmm. sweat because I and I mean and speaking of horror movies the other woman in that scene the one Elizabeth I guess they never yeah, say Elizabeth. that but is Jane Levy who is she's from like Don't Breathe she was in oh yeah the yeah, yeah, Evil yeah. Oh. Dead remake oh um, I like her I didn't realize that was her or if you want to go outside the horror realm she's in that new Zoe's playlist or whatever show i think that i might have to watch that scene i hear it's not very good but i love musicals yeah but she's she's the the lead in that leslie my friend leslie who was on the show for a while would text me every time she was watching it to let me know like what scale of secondhand embarrassment she was (laughs) she was experiencing which made me want to watch it It just got renewed for a second season so people love it listen i'm and shows i feel like are like getting axed all over the place yeah but like there's no like you either have to be a raging success or you know, like there's no like you know what let's take our chance on it like yeah. i think if we market this a little differently we can give them some new right. life or something no like it's either you have to be a raging success or you're cut right got shows aren't getting that like second season will be better than the first opportunity anymore right but um so hey good for them but yeah that's jane Lee B. Levy, so Levy, Levy, I don't know. Uh, so we go back to um, guy. I guess they're in South Dakota. We see uh, Agent Preston, Tammy Preston, uh, who is looking through Cooper's file and comparing his fingerprints from before his 1989 disappearance and from the doppelgangers booking at the federal prison. Right. So, and this is uh, obviously a no dialogue scene, mm-hmm. but these are the moments I think that in subsequent viewings have stood out to me of what you don't like about Tammy slash Christabel that I think I wish these hit a little harder, Mm. but I think they're supposed to are, this is her on her own being a great fucking cop. Mm. Mm -hmm. And we don't just chasing down every lead she can. Yeah. This might be nothing, but I'm going to compare fucking fingerprints Mm -hmm. because why not? Yeah. Like these are things that I think are where we're supposed to realize this is these are the things that Gordon Cole sees that mm-hmm. she's good at this shit. Sure. And she is deep down a great cop. Mhm. Um and then Warden Murphy gives Mr. C his phone call and they have him like set up in this highly videotaped room. With multiple angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, okay, go ahead and make your call. And then he like... Well, but first he drops the line of... Who should I... He, and he, he makes reference to... I know I'm being filmed from every fucking angle. Mm-hmm. Is everybody on? Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. good. And then looks directly into one of the lenses of where... The, you know, the cops are all watching him on monitors. And says... Who should I call first? Should I call Mr. Strawberry? Yeah. No. I don't think I'll call Mr. Strawberry. And somebody reacts to Mr. Strawberry. The the warden. The warden uh, Warden Murphy, who dra- dramatically it, reacts yeah. to that. That's a, That hits him hard. I don't remember how that resolves, but for some reason when he said it and the guy reacted, I was like, it, that was the name of his dog growing up, I bet. It doesn't react. It doesn't react or it doesn't? It doesn't pay off, play. rather. Really? To clearly anyway, but you, I, in as far as my own interpretation of it, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. 
Oh, it's just like the name of a pet? Mr. Strawberry is Ward Murphy's dog. Uh-huh. Oh, his present and, dog? And that dog leg that <gasps> we found in his fucking car is Mr. Strawberry. Mr. Strawberry! And I think this is Cooper revealing to him, I got this close to you already. Like, this is a threat of, like, I, like, so Warden Murphy is, hey, my dog's been missing for a couple of days. It's a whatever. And this is just you this is what I'm putting from. Yeah. But, and he doesn't know where his dog is. And him saying, I'm the one who killed your fucking dog is his way of saying, look how close I can get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you didn't know who I even was. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I always took from it. Because yeah. Mr. Strawberry, it doesn't sound like a real person unless it, you're talking to Mets outfielder Daryl Strawberry. Well, also, it, it sounds like a code name. Sure, sure, right? or something. Like the, like, it reminds me of like a Reservoir Dogs right. type thing. Right, but we also never meet somebody named Bob Strawberry or whatever. Jim you know, Bob Strawberry. So my... I had a similar thing of like, oh, like Mr. Top Hats or yeah. Mr. Whatever yeah. thing people name their pets. My thought was like, oh, I wonder the same thing of like, oh, I bet this is a pet name. And then I thought of the dog leg that they found in his trunk. Mm. And I, that's the connection that I made. Poor Mr. Strawberry. Or who knows who Mr. Strawberry is. Right. So you don't have to be sad because we don't fucking know. <laughs> and even if, And even if that's right. Jessica, it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so he dials a very long number like this. <laughs> Which just feels like the bit that Mikey and I do when we're just like, oh, oh, I'm going to call your mom and tell her you need to bed. You just like slap your phone yeah. like an asshole. <laughs> an asshole? You're an asshole. Sorry, that was reflexive. It's true, though. But it's, yeah, it's absurd. He punches, like, 75 numbers. And, like, what's weird is, like, he doesn't... He he hits a bajillion numbers. Uh-huh. But then also puts, like, weird spaces in them. Yes. As though it's semi-intentional. And he'll be like, ba 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 is he dialing an actual number? Yeah. What is fucking happening? God, it's have it's you, bizarre. Have you ever had somebody give you like over the phone, like when you used to work customer service stuff, or he still do, I guess, give you the a phone number but with the wrong rhythm? Oh, is this the Kevin James thing? <laughs> oh, is it, that actually happened to me? Uh, Kevin James times. has a great. We could probably link that for All people. Right, okay, but Kevin James has a like. It's one of those. You know how like. Certain stand-ups define an entire stand-up's career. Uh-huh. Kevin James, Seinfeld. one of his is phone number rhythm. Bomb, 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 bomb. And he'll be like, yeah, my phone number is two one two eight. I already, how am I supposed to squeeze? Uh, like he does a whole routine about that and it's very, very funny. Uh, I've, I've just had people but, actually do that in real life. And then one time um, I had a guy. one two nine. What? I had a guy give me his phone number and he said nice. <laughs> So the phone is for professional purposes, Michael. But he gave me three one two is famously the Chicago area code and he's like, Yeah, my number is three twelve, blah 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 blah. And I was like, Excuse me, sir? <laughs> I less about the Is this the your area first code, day in America? Goose Island has a beer called three one two that is 
Goose Island is a Chicago brewery, and they're referring to the area I go through it too, but people all the time. And I used to work at a Geno's East in Chicago, which had a lot of tourists. So it was a lot of people came in and be like, I'll have those 312, I'll have the 312, I'll have a one of these 312s. Like just the various ways people would say it in order. And you can just, it's just funny. But, oh, that was my yeah. brother's whole bit when they opened up the 606 in Chicago, which mm-hmm. is like kind of a near west side uh it like used to be a bike. train track yeah like the little and not they bike it, i guess necessarily. It it's like a bike, greenway yeah, kind a little, of yeah and they called it 606 because zip codes in chicago are 606 blank blank mm-hmm. and my brother who lived very near one would just delight in asking people like hey do you know where the 606 is <laughs> <laughs> like just say something slightly wrong in a way yeah. that you're like it's it's just what? so funny how those Local things mm-hmm. that people just know locally mm-hmm. sounds like, so bizarre. Like the double door. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's a great example. And it's, Okay. So if you ever watch the movie High Fidelity, not the TV show, but the movie, the John Cusack movie, there's a there's a place it shut down fairly recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and reopened right. near, ironically, near where we used to live. Oh, yeah. It did. Like literally real, a half a block. Who knows if that's still there now yeah, since pandemic, but... There was a place called the Double Door. It was famous. Yeah, it was a great like mid-level venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and big Chicago music. Sure, and the, it it always bugged me that there's a scene in High Fidelity where they talk about the the Natasha Gregson Wagner character is talking to John Cusack, and she mentions like, "Oh yeah, I used to see you spin records or whatever at the Double Door," and it was just it's it felt so as being someone from chicago who's familiar with the double door it's the double door it's the double door you call it the double door everyone who's ever mentioned it in my entire life has called it the double door not the double door yeah you you're emphasizing the wrong word and it seems dumb it seems like a thing that you wouldn't point out but it also bugged me that like Cusack is from Chicago. Yeah, he should know. Should drop a line and say, "Hey, it's the called the Double, double door, door, not the Double Door." Yeah. And you, you're. It sounds dumb. Yeah. But it's also fucking wrong. Is that why we do a bit about we emphasize the wrong thing on everything all the time? I don't know what you mean. We do that. It's a thing we do. Yeah. Like, oh. I can't. Obviously, can't think of an example right now are but, you talking about the whole wrong emphasis and the wrong syllable well, i wasn't necessary <laughs> <Daddy. Daddy. laughs> like our dog's name is daddy henson and so daddy henson just no you i don't do that intentionally you, okay then do you I? do it accidentally maybe I, I, because I legitimately don't know what you're talking about right now. You really? I don't. I feel really Brooklyn Nine-Nine instead of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Do I say that? Yes. Then I'm broken. I'm going to point it out next time. Okay, bring it. Hey, daddy. Shut the fuck up. So, Mr. C dials numbers like that. And the prison. Bing, bang, boom. Fire dead. The um, all of a sudden the prison alarm starts yeah, going everything. off. Every, everything, every just... light, everything is flickering. The the fire alarms or whatever are going mm. off. Everyone's kind of freaking out. Um, and then he says, "The, the cow, cow jumped, jumped over, over the, the moon. moon," and then hangs up, and the alarms stop. 
Now that everyone's here, I will make my phone call. Now, who should I call? Should I call Mr. Strawberry? What the hell? No, I don't think I'll call Mr. Strawberry. I don't think he's taking calls. I know. I know who to call. jumped over the moon. And we cut to Buenos Aires. Um, a device connected before by Lorraine rings and flashes twice with its two red lights and then shrinks into a kind of seed. So this... Can't wait for you to explain doesn't this. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> No, but this is the first, this is where we get context that it's Buenos Aires. Because when Buenos Aires. when she sent the text or whatever <laughs> to this box before it didn't have a title. Uh-huh. But now we've recognized this is the same location and has a a title of Buenos Aires. Did Lorraine send a message to Mr. C? Did Mr. C send a, send a message. message to Lorraine? Or just to straight to Buenos Aires. Do, do two of them send a message separately to Buenos Aires? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I honestly don't. Why did the box disappear into a glob? Unclear. I don't know. I. This is. I. This. I honestly have almost nothing. <laughs> I. I. There's a few things of like, oh, this is loose, but I feel like it has to do. This is one of those things where I honestly have. No fucking idea what this is. Yeah. Um. And then we cut to back to Cooper. He's still standing, staring at the statue, touching his little foot. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get our credits over, which is. Yeah, and then there's a little security guard who says, "You got to get moving, buddy." Uh-huh. No loitering here. Yeah, like you've been like clearly he's been there a while. Well, and it's dark out now. I think right. at this point, so right. he's been there. Probably a few hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's uh, that's the end of that episode. Any other yeah. closing thoughts? No. I mean, it, this is a, this, I, again, I feel like every one of these episodes kind of has the same, you get as much interesting stuff and then you, every episode opens up new mm-hmm. mysteries. So yeah. there's very few episodes that are all mystery or all resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're kind of zigzagging through the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, well, that is going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. 
Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.